Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. everyone. Happy Tuesday. Great to have you with us on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman still on vacation. I'm Randy Carricker, joined this morning by one of my favorite people in work and in life, the great Kerry Davis, Super Bowl champion, head coach at Hazelwood Central. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. Great to have you with us. Thank Looking you. forward to these to next here. three hours. Yes, sir. I'm, I'm excited. And the 4th of July was good for the Davis family? It was very good. Just hung out with family, watched fireworks, ate barbecue. Yeah, did that's the, what it's did all the about. normal thing. Yeah, that's right. But, but but got to watch some football and some baseball. You normally don't get get to watch football no. on the Fourth of July. So. And the USFL not only played their championship game, but they announced that they're coming back next year. Yeah. So we're going to have perhaps competing leagues yeah. next year if the if the XFL can they get up and running. Well. Yeah, I, I'm excited to see uh, how it all how it all unfolds. Yeah, so yeah. It, it was fun. Cardinals did lose last night and this morning, six to three <laughs> to the Atlanta Braves uh, at seven fifty two St. Louis time. A rain delay started that lasted more than two and a half hours. A rain delay occurred with the Cardinals down six one. Here's what happened: the Braves were able to get one off of Dakota Hudson in the first inning. Uh, Matt Olson base hit. Then in the second diddle inning. Dakota Hudson walked Ronald Acuna to score Marcelo Zuna, make it 2-0. Then, later in the second inning, bases loaded, Dansby Swanson at the plate. So the runners will go, the pitch. Swing, fly ball, left center field. That ball is going to get down. Here comes Ronald, streaking around third. Relay to the plate. He scores standing up. Dansby clears the bases with a two-strike, two-out double. 6-0 at that point. Actually, 5-0 for Swanson and then Matt Olson with a base hit to score Swanson to make it 6-0. It was 6-1 when the rains came in the top of the fifth inning. The delay lasted two and a half hours. Then in the top of the sixth, the Cardinals actually got some offense going. Juan Yapez with a home run. And then after that, Connor Capel with his first Major League Blast. And the 1-1 to Capel. And Capel puts a charge in it. It's out to center. It's at the wall. Gone! His first ever Major League homer. Connor Capel has driven in a pair. And slowly but surely, the Cardinals trying to creep back into this. It's now 6-3 on the first ever Big League homer by Connor Capel. And Kerry, the Cardinals actually loaded the bases in the ninth inning. Nolan Arnauto struck out, and Albert Pujols grounded back to the pitcher. The Cardinals had a chance to get back more into the game in the ninth inning, but they couldn't do so against Will Smith. Yeah, it, it, I, I talked about this last week with Stalter. It, going into the, these series that they have, you know, the Phillies, the 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 um, the Braves, the Phillies, and then mm-hmm. the Dodgers. How important it is to win series. And I, I understand in baseball, you're not going to win every game, but you would like to win the series and mm-hmm. and and. Now you're three games back against a Milwaukee team that has been been seven and three over their last ten. This kind of win one, lose one, win two, lose one. It's, it's it, you have to be able to put together a string of wins where you can continue to to not put yourself in a hole and not have to dig out later on in the season. And I wonder if the Cardinals are good enough to do that. I, I still think that they are the seventh or eighth best team in the National League, and 
to me, what they need to do is try to play 500 against everybody except the Cubs, Reds, and Pirates. And right now, the Cardinals are 28 and 28 against everybody else. Mm. And then they play 19 games each against the Cubs, Reds, and Pirates. And you need to win 38 of those. You need to go 38 and 19, get to about 90 wins, and take your chances. Because I don't think that they're going to be able to win series regularly against the world champions or the Dodgers or even the, the way the Phillies right. are going right now. Is it is it is it based off of just the the starting pitching and the, and the stress that it puts on the bullpen? You know, yesterday I, I, Dakota Hudson's kind of been going one win, one loss, mm-hmm. one win, and it's kind of a microcosm of the entire team. Yeah, he's the Cardinals have he started sixteen games. The Cardinals are eight and eight yeah. in those games, but. He's doing things like walking runs home. You yeah. just can't walk runs home. And that's devastating for a team. It just takes the wind out of your sails. I forget who I, who I heard say it, but uh, when you walk the, the, the first batter of an inning and expect to, to give up a run. Always scores. Yeah. Always scores. Yeah. It's so amazing. It's not, a, it's not a recipe for success. You want to make sure you get guys out um, you know, and, and keep the ball in the infield and, and not allow people to get on base and score runs with, with the ease that they did you know, last night. The manager, Ali Marmol, on Hudson's performance. Cutter wasn't... A good pitch for him today, uh, sinker in the zone, but at the end of the day, uh, three walks. The reality is this. You, if you're a sinker baller, if you're a guy that gets a lot of contact and you don't miss a lot of bats, you can't get free passes. So when you hit a guy, walk three, um, it's just uh, it's not a good recipe for success. So what needs to happen for better success for Dakota Hudson, who did allow six runs in four innings last night, allowed nine hits and walked those three? We'll exhaust all of our options as far as um, continuing to develop him both mentally and physically. But at the end of the day, until that rubber, you got to get it done. And one of the issues, Kerry, is not only is he struggling, but right now he's the Cardinals' number three starter. Right. Kyle writes, if he's a number five starter, you can get away with it. But the Cardinals don't have Flaherty. They don't have Matt. And so you've got him pitching in right. an area where he should not be pitching. Yeah, and, and and again, like I said, if you're if you're eight and eight in his starts, and then all of that is probably not on him. I'm sure he had some some games where mm-hmm. he he had some success, but they did the bats didn't get going. Um, but overall, like I said, these last few games, when you're giving up runs, when you're walking people and and not even allowing people to have to put the bat on the ball, you're giving them a free base, it's going to be tough to win. One thing I do like about Ali Marmol is he's very honest. He sure is. He is extremely honest. He seems like a guy that when he speaks to you, you as, as a player, you want somebody to tell you the truth, not lie to you, not sugarcoat it, not throw you under the bus to the media, but also not give you a pass when you're not playing well or you're not doing your job. Because at the end of the day, if you're not doing your job, somebody else will, and somebody else will have that opportunity. And and I just really respect the way that he talks to his players, talks about his players, and talks to the media. And you played for Mike Tomlin, who appears from a media perspective to be a guy like that. Is that right? He is. He's a guy that you know is going to tell you the truth. Going to you may not like it, you may not want to hear it, but it's the truth. And 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 at the end of the day, you know, as a as a professional player, you know what your job is. You know what the expectations are of you. Um, and, and if you're not meeting or exceeding those expectations, you know that those opportunities are going to start becoming more more limited in, in what you're able to do. So, you know, I, I just really respect what he's able to do, how he speaks to them and how he speaks to the media. Cardinals with the roster move yesterday. They optioned catcher Yvonne Herrera back to AAA. He only hit 111 here. Austin Romine comes up as the backup catcher. 
Also over the weekend, Nick Wickren finally DFA'd, and Jake Woodford was optioned to Memphis so that the Cardinals could call up Matthew Libertor and bring Jordan Hicks off the disabled list. And both of those guys, Libertor and Hicks, pitched Saturday with different outcomes. Libertor, two and two-thirds innings, 41 strikes and 25 balls. He allowed seven hits and five runs. Jordan Hicks, meanwhile, an inning in two-thirds, he threw 28 pitches, 18 strikes, allowed a couple of hits, didn't walk anybody, and didn't strike anybody out. I don't know how you could not strike anybody out when you're throwing 102, but <laughs> he, he does it. But it's good to have him back in the bullpen. When you add a Hicks and remove a Wickren, slowly right. and incrementally carry, the Cardinals are they're getting rid of the guys that when you bring them into a game that turns a, a 5-3 game into a 7-3 game, right. th- those guys that are pitching when you're losing, those guys are being removed for more reliable guys. And and, and getting Hicks back is going to be extremely important to the bullpen. Somebody, as you said, can come in and has experience and, and, and is not going to shrink in those moments and not going to shy away from those moments. Understand why he's in the game. It's 5-3. to three. I cannot give up. I cannot get anyone on base. I cannot give any runs up and allow us to have an opportunity to get back into this game. Now, ideally, we we would hope that our starters don't let, put us <laughs> right. in a 5-3 hole. But but when you are in that position, you get a guy to come in and, and, and kind of settle things down so that you can get the bats going and get everybody back in place. If you did not hear on Friday, Jim Montgomery, Blues assistant coach, hired by the Boston Bruins as their new head coach. And the Blues acted quickly in naming Craig McTavish, former Edmonton head coach and general manager, as their new assistant to Craig Berube. Here's Blues president of hockey operations and GM Doug Armstrong. His background uh, is well known as a player and as a coach, as a manager. One of the things that we were hoping to to get was what we had with Jim Montgomery, as someone that Craig can lean on from the been there, done that experience as a head coach. Obviously, you look at the number of games <coughs> Mac T has coached. Uh, there's going to be nothing that we're going to see moving forward that he hasn't dealt with. I also think for the development of uh, the rest of our staff, Steve Ott, uh, David Alexander, uh, Mike Van Ryan, having someone with Mac T's experience is only going to help uh, help further their careers with the knowledge he can give them and uh, the understanding. So I thought it was a really good uh, situation to bring an experienced guy into our staff. Kerry, I've always appreciated head coaches that were secure enough and comfortable enough in their own skin that they could hire assistants that could replace them. Oh yeah, it says a lot about you as a as a man and as a coach. You talked about Mike Tomlin earlier. He just did that with hiring a former coach, head coach, and Brian Flores. Mm-hmm. When you are are secure, and first of all, you have to be secure in, in your job and and what you're doing in that in that city. Mm-hmm. But also as a man, secure enough to understand that this man is an addition. He's a he's he's going to help our team, and we want the best people involved. I, I personally want to be in rooms where I'm not the smartest person. I want I me want too. opinions of others that can help me and, and help mold our team to become as successful as, as we want it to be. Dick Vermeil, who's going into the Hall of Fame in about a month, his first staff here in St. Louis with the Rams, they had five former NFL head coaches on the staff. And it didn't wind up, that wasn't the group that won the Super Bowl, but he was secure enough and smart enough to realize that he wasn't going to be the smartest. If he wasn't the smartest guy in the room, then... The team was going to be better off. Yes, and and that's how it always is. And and Randy, you know this as well as I do. There have been some coaches here in St. Louis with the Rams so. that were not <laughs> very. Oh, I that's it up. It very it, they came in and took things off of the wall from from yeah. from former championships and things of that nature. So having and it shows in in how you coach. Mm-hmm. It shows in your team's overall success. 
when you are, are confident and comfortable in your own skin to be uh, who you are and what you need to do, you, you're gonna your team is going to reflect that. Pro tip, never been an NFL head coach. You're much closer to being an NFL coach than me. Pro tip, though, for all prospective NFL coaches, don't hire your college roommate who has no <laughs> coaching experience that's as not, your linebacker. That's not good. <laughs> not, <laughs> not great. It's not, it's not what it's all about. Hey, you got to take care of your guys. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. Matthew Rocchio is here. It is July 5th. Great to have you with us. Coming up, start one, bench one, cut one on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. Character and Smallman. Solid athlete, solid arm. Start one. Warm up. You're going in. Bench one. Mediocre. Hit the shower. Cut one. You're off the team. I do head. What? It's start one, bench one, cut one on Character and Smallman. Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, great to have you with us on 101 ESPN. We invite your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Start one, bench one, cut one. Okay, Kerry, it's the summer holidays. Start one, bench one, cut one. We just finished the 4th of July, so you got Memorial Day, you got the 4th of July, and you got Labor Day. Start one, bench ah. one, cut one. Memorial Day, well, you can't, you got to start Memorial Day. Just start based, of summer. Yeah, yes. Um, I cut Labor Day, and I would bench 4th of July. I'm doing the exact same thing as you. Yeah, I'm doing the exact same thing. I think uh, nothing against people that go see fireworks. I just think fireworks at this stage of my life are overrated. I know as a kid I liked them. It's extremely overrated. And it's extre- <laughs> the older you get, the more you realize how freaking dangerous it really yeah, right. is. That's fire. That is an explosion, sir. That, that, that's that's not safe. It's, no. there is, I watched kids yesterday. I, this is no lie, ready. I watched children lighting the fire and taking off running like you you know that it's not safe because you're running away but the excitement is is the thing that that makes you keep going back to lighting that thing and you know i've seen some things happen with fireworks that i i share i I wish to not have seen people getting harmed and and you know jpp his hand Mm -hmm. is a reminder every single year he should post it every year yeah just as a reminder he should he should have a fireworks kind of uh um Advertising, he should do that yeah, for PSA, for, yeah. PSA for, for fireworks and safety, and it just should be his hand on a screen, and people should have to look at it and say, "Be safe, yeah, right, enjoy." So <laughs> when I was a kid, we and I don't know if they still make black cat fireworks, firecrackers, but what we would do is we would light them and let the fuse go down as far as we could before it would blow up and throw them in the air yeah. so the paper flew all over the place we were so stupid like a grenade <laughs> yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. It, it sounds fun right until you <laughs> until you hold it just a half second too, <laughs> too long, long and it pops in your hand yeah, and you, now right. you're missing a finger or a tip of a finger yeah it's not not yeah. great all right start one bench one cut one on 101 espn you got one or you want to just go to the text we can go to the text let's do it all right start one bench one cut one opening day for baseball game seven of the stanley cup finals or a super bowl oh Man, I know a lot of people in St. Louis who would have opening day of baseball as their start. Or Game 7 of the Stanley Cup yeah, Finals if you're in that's, it. You know, at this point, after after experiencing it in 19, it's kind of hard not to. But, I mean, if, I, if I'm if i going, my team's not in it. I think I have to go with start, start opening day of baseball because 
finally getting to baseball is always a good thing. Maybe just get finally get an opening day this year with the lockout just felt kind of so refreshing. But I'm gonna I'm gonna bench the Super Bowl because even though I hate the NFL and, and so much, <laughs> I still love football and that's such a great day. Uh, maybe as long maybe we can get that holiday going on Monday uh, to really to really take it to the next level and then I'll put I'll, I'll unfortunately cut Stanley, Stanley Cup Game Seven because if it's not my team, it's usually gonna be heartbreaking to watch it. Well, for me. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna be a homer here. I'm gonna start the Super Bowl. I nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I, I'm gonna start the Super Bowl. I Says think the guy with the ring from that game. That I'm gonna start that one. <laughs> I'm going to bench the Stanley Cup final because I I you know I you can't cut Game Seven, and 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 I'm gonna cut Opening Day because it's Opening Day. You got 161 more, mm-hmm. so I'm gonna cut that one. And and but I, I that's my that's the way I'll go. I'm gonna start Opening Day just because in our town and in my life. It is such a tradition. You know it's what? I've that, never been to an opening day game, and I'm I'm ashamed to say 2023, that. 2023, we're going to, to opening go. day. I need to go. You're in. I have to. All right. So I'm I'm starting opening day. I'm I'm like Matthew. I'm going to bench the Super Bowl, and unless the Blues are in it, I am going to cut Stanley Cup Finals Game Seven. Really? Yeah. And I love how it. There's, exciting is there's this? There's nothing better than the Stanley Cup playoffs. There is, but, n- I, I, honestly, it is extremely exciting to yeah. watch the the how much is on the line, how much those guys understand the moment of of what. Ta- you got guys sliding all over the place, taking yep. slap shots to the face. I got, yeah, sign me up. Yeah, oh man, not to take a slap shot, but <laughs> no, sign me up to watch. To watch, yeah. yeah. So, and, and the reason I do that is for the same reasons Matthew does. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at it more from a holiday perspective. Mm-hmm. So, opening day, a holiday in St. Louis, Super Bowl. Super Bowl. It's, it's a holiday a, everywhere. It, it, Super Bowl is Around the, the second biggest food consumption day in America after Thanksgiving. There you go. Yeah. I and what not. takes place on th- on Thanksgiving? Football. <laughs> You're right. There you go. Yep, there you I, go. I, I, just, like, <laughs> I just know there's plenty of people screaming at their radio. Uh, opening day's got to be the start because, like, and, and my parents are probably two of those people. I mean, that's just that is a holy a sacred day in my in my yeah, household. I'm ashamed to say I've never been. Okay, 2023, you are there. Thank you. I'm, I'm going to make it happen. Randy, this one's perfect <laughs> for you. Trade targets: start one, bench one, cut okay. one. Montas, Bumgarner, and Mr. Twelve Strikeout Robbie Ray. Okay, so for the Cardinals. Let's point out that Frankie Montas left his game after an inning on Saturday with uh, or Sunday with shoulder stiffness. You already have one guy with shoulder stiffness. I don't think you need another. Don't need to. Yeah. So I, and I watched Mad Bum yesterday, kind of inefficient, but Robbie Ray is just getting good now after a bad start. I still think I'm going to go Mad Bum. I'm going to start Mad Bum. I'm, I'm going to bench Robbie Ray. And until I know, as we speak right now, I'm thinking that Montas with shoulder stiffness is going to be something serious. So I'm going to cut him right now. How old is Mad Bum? 32. Shocking. Only 32. Is that it? Yeah, yeah, he came are up you when he serious? Was 20. Came he's up only he was, 32? Yeah. That has never I never thought he was 38, 39, 40. Yeah. I thought he was my age. Yeah. Right. Okay, well, I'm going to start Mad Bum as well. I, 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 I thought he was much older. Yeah. Thinking that it was it was, you know, closer mm-hmm. to the end as opposed to closer to the middle. Yep. So you, I, I'm gonna go the same order. Start yeah. Mad Bum, Robbie Ray to the bench, and Montas as a as a as as cut. And C D I, I was watching him yesterday. And we, you see this in sports. That's a guy that needs I, a change of scenery. I love Matt, but yeah. I love his demeanor. Yep. I love a guy when you—he looks like he lifts bales of hay in the mm-hmm. offseason. Like yeah. that's like that's his workout regimen. Like no weight room, just bales of hay from one spot to the next. Yep. 
no shirt on all summer long. Like this is my and no one comes in and has a beer, you know, as his beverage. No, no Gatorade, no, 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 no. water. We need electrolytes. We're gonna drink beer. As we're moving yeah. hails, bales of hay, and we're gonna take care of business. <laughs> and and when I get ready to come pitch in the, in the when spring training comes around, you know I'm ready to go. That's a card. Have you picked up a baseball? No, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> right. I'm ready. Sign me up. Let's go. I like that guy. Robbie Ray is the Major League Baseball career leader for strikeouts per nine. Yeah. At eleven point one. Yeah, I have. And no, had I a really no, good year last year. I had no idea it was. I, I obviously, you know, he's having games like when he's tr- striking out twelve and I think six and two thirds mm-hmm. was the line over the weekend. But I had no idea he was the career, not active, the overall career leader for starters in strikeouts per nine. That's yeah. insane. Well, I don't think. The, I don't think the Cardinals are going to be able. I don't think the Cardinals are giving up an, a, enough to get a Robbie Ray. Well, before this trade deadline. Well, he's not going anywhere. Exactly. He's got a ridiculous contract, yeah. so he's unfortunately. He, he's unavailable, but he is he's really good. One of the other things that I like about Mad Bum is that I'm getting this pitcher for the playoffs, and he's the best postseason pitcher of all time. That seems like it would be a good plan. By the way, somebody it sounds says, like a great plan. Yeah, I mean, let's sign him up. Let's go. Somebody what are we says, waiting on? Somebody says he actually does lift bales of hay. He's been spotted at rodeos in the offseason. There he's, you go. He is a rodeo guy. That's his offseason workout. Yeah, he, he does not go to the weight room. No. There's no need to go to a squat rack or, or a power clean. or well, What do I No, No curls. Yeah, he, he rides no bulls and he, he wins. He wins. <laughs> Can you imagine the Duck Dynasty-esque redo that we could do like a special on Mad Bum and Wayno being teammates yeah i mean there there's so much potential content there not just not just great pitching marketing for the cardinals could absolutely get into some good old good old southern boy kind of stuff with those two i think it'd be great we're gonna start one bench one cut one owners carolyn kindle betts bill dewitt tom stillman i know what mine is this is this is i i love i love what the dewitts have done great business people i'm starting tom stillman you read that piece that jeremy rutherford did on the athletic about how much mm-hmm. this organization has changed in just yep. the 10 years that Tom Stillman since he came in. Obviously, no shot to anybody else is a tough choice. I'm starting Tom Stillman. I think I'm going to bench Bill DeWitt just because multiple championships, brand new ballpark, changing, trying to help change downtown. And, of course, I love City, but I'm going to have to cut them right now. They're doing incredible things, but when the, when you have the, played o- a game yet. When you have the ownership group you have in this <laughs> town, now that Crocky's out of yeah. here, it's you know two, it's going to be two. It's going to be three yeah. of the best owners in sports overall. So I'm going to start the Dewitts because not only have they built a competitive baseball team that rational people should be proud of, uh, and every year they're in the hunt, but they did build the stadium and they have done things in helping out the infrastructure of downtown St. Louis that nobody else has done. The, the the people that care the most, apparently, about building up downtown St. Louis are the Cardinals yes. with Ballpark Village and, and what they've done there, and they're going to build another residential tower. So I, I'm going to go with the DeWitt family, number one. All due respect to, to Tom Stillman and what he's done in rebuilding that franchise, but he's rebuilt the franchise, not the town. I'm going to go uh, Tom Stillman to bench, and just because City hasn't played a game yet, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna cut CKB. I'm gonna do the same. And and as you said, the Cardinals are are. I mean, when you think of baseball, 
as a whole, not just in the city of St. Louis. When you think of baseball as a whole, the Cardinals are are right there, maybe behind the Yankees. I would say Yankees yeah. are first, and I would say Cardinals would be right there. Mm-hmm. Um, so for that point, you got to start the Cardinals. Uh, ben Stillman and 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 like you said, City hasn't played a game yet. I'm, I'm sure everyone is excited to see how they how they end up playing, and how they how they turn out. But you got to bench them. Uh, you got to cut them at the end. Yeah. And one other note about the Cardinals, in addition to what they've done with uh, building the stadium themselves and and putting together Ballpark Village. And by the way, not everybody has loved Ballpark Village because it's hurt a lot of businesses downtown because of the the quality with which they're doing their business. But things like the Cardinal Hall of Fame, keeping people involved with their organization, they've just done a a magnificent job. And that franchise was a wreck when they got it. Anheuser-Busch had checked out. They were terrible in 1995. And so not only have they rebuilt a, a good portion of downtown, but they rebuilt that franchise that had fallen to the depths too. Kerry Davis, Matthew Rocchio, Randy Carricker, great to have you with us on 101 ESPN. Coming up, three things we love from a long weekend on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carricker and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Kerry Davis is in for Michelle, Matthew Rocchio, Randy Carricker, and it's time for three things we love from the long weekend. Number three. All right, guys. I, I was watching because my wife and daughter were watching tennis over the weekend, and I was watching Nadal and Jokovic play. And I'm kind of hardened to the fact that these guys have been around for 20 years now. And seeing Novak Jokovic and Rafa Nadal reach the quarterfinals at Wimbledon was really cool. Guys, in the last 77 tennis majors, Jokovic, Nadal, and Roger Federer have won 62 of the 77. They had a stretch where they won 18 in a row, those three. They had another stretch where they won 14 in a row. And this is true excellence, and we've been seeing it for the better part of two decades with those guys. They're all in their late 30s now, and they continue to dominate. That's amazing. That that, that 62 out of 77 is that yeah, for those that, three guys. That is that is dominance at its at its finest, and and you know. You you kind of you don't respect or you don't appreciate what you have when you're in the midst of it, and then when it's over, you're kind of like, wow, that we 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 were able to live through that and watch that at its highest form, at its highest peak, and when it's not there anymore, you're kind of mm-hmm. going, oh man, it, it's not the same. I, I kind of I think of Tiger Woods when he was yep. at his peak. I think of Michael Jordan when he was at his peak. You get you're able to witness those things, and then when they're gone, you're like, wow, I really was able to watch that, and and I can remember it and and. You know, it's kind of, I guess, how how some people were when they were able to watch Wilt play and right, dominate yeah. the way we weren't able to see it. So we we don't understand it, but it's something that people that were able to see it will never be able to forget. Here's another stat that's not as great as 62 out of 77 for those three. Carry the last time a U.S.-born player won a major in tennis. Um, not Wimbledon or not the U.S. Open, but any of the four. 2003. Andy Roddick I won was, the U.S. I, I was going to say Andy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's a that's a long time. Yeah, we're twenty years in, and I, my wife was saying, "Well, why that? Why did that happen?" Well, two thousand three, Tiger came into vogue. Ninety seven, he won his first Masters, but that coincides with the the dominance of Tiger Woods and kids going from tennis to golf, and wow. we've got a ton of young golfers now, and we don't have great young te- and haven't had great young tennis players for twenty years. Something to to keep an eye on you. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's another part of what 
he has done for yeah. society, right? Yeah. With Tiger, the yeah. effect that Tiger Woods has had on society. He, and, and it has been an amazing impact on, on society and the game of golf. Yeah. When he's playing well, eyes are glued to the TV. Even when he's not playing well and he just says, I'm going to play, eyes are still glued to the TV. No doubt about it. <laughs> All right, uh, you, I, your third I, favorite thing. My my, I saw, I saw every every Fourth of July. There's a hot dog eating contest. That that Nathan's hot dog eating contest. We we all heard of Joey Chestnut. He's a, I think 15, 16 times. Who knows? He he's he wins every year, right? Mm-hmm. I saw a a a protester approach the stage, bump Joey Chestnut, and Joey Chestnut mid hot dog eating. Grab the man around the collar, choke him out, sit him down, and go back to eating his hot dog. Now that is in itself is a is amazing, right? The more amazing part is the barbershop quartet hat guy that mm-hmm. is security rushing the stage to try to get the protester. He, he he doesn't have a security shirt on. He's not a big bulky. He has a barbershop quartet hat on, and that is the guy that they send up to secure the Nathan's hot dog eating contestants. You have to see the video. It is amazing. Watch the hat guy. It, 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 it's mind-blowing. It's the best. <laughs> Number two. And carry along those lines, just the fact that Chestnut won his 15th Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. He didn't set the record. He only ate 63 hot dogs. Only. Absolutely. Yeah, 63 <laughs> in 10 minutes. Yeah, but last he, he got bumped into. He yeah. got, he got thrown right. off his pace. Yeah. Uh, absolutely dominant in, in crushing the wieners. And he's... <laughs> He's just unbelievable. When you consider his level of dominance over the last 15 years, and think about what Tiger did between 1997 and 08. Think about what Edwin Moses did in never losing a race, uh, a hurdles race for more than a decade. Joey Chestnut is right there with the most dominant athletes in the history of sports. Is is he an athlete? Is that that athleticism to be able to eat 60 plus, 70 plus hot dogs in a sitting? I think it is. You think so? Yeah. I think it's a skill set. Yeah, yeah. Do you practice? Do you practice? How, how do you they prepare? Do yeah, you, you have to. You have to expand your stomach. How yep. how often? Yep. How often do you think he he practices eating these hot dogs? How, in, probably, in a year, probably what the last quarter before he gets to the fourth. So of no July. hot dogs the entire. No, probably the first has some now and then because well, he he does, he's in other eating contests. Yeah, he does eating contests throughout the year, so he's constantly just yeah. like testing himself. I, but he's got. He, but the thing you got to think, he's got to work out a lot to not to not put on a lot of weight. And and also, he, listen, let's just talk about this. Is it an athletic moment? You tell me. Was Willis Reed an athletic moment? He came in there with a broken leg, <laughs> Carrie, and he put together that showing yesterday. He had a broken leg. He had a cast on. He was doing it on crutches. Come on. He, That's the true. athleticism to walk up there with crutches is 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 yeah. the athleticism. Is the athlete He's part. impressive. Yeah. I don't know about eating hot dogs. Is considered <laughs> an athletic moment. They, they were saying it was his his Jordan flu game. Okay, yeah, Jordan had the flu. They, yeah. they were comparing him walking up so, with crutches let me, to Jordan having the flu and dropping 38. Let me preface this by saying that <laughs> I, I look at all of these people as athletes, but some people don't. So, is a race car driver an athlete? I think so, yes. I think so. We well, yes. have to have unbelievable you hand-eye have, yeah, coordination. Hand-eye, you have to be able to make split-second decisions. At 200 miles an hour. Your, your yeah, lung capacity has to be great because yeah. you're getting because of the Gs you're getting on those turns. Yeah. Are pushing yeah. You yeah. Yeah. And your bladder capacity. You. Yeah. Well, they just go, don't they? I think they, I, do, I think yeah. they just go. The yeah, 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 we just go. There's some NFL players that do that too. I, that's another story, though. <laughs> We've all heard of Schlereth. <laughs> Number one. All right, CD. 
For me, the weekend was Nolan Arenado. He hit for the cycle on Friday. He had two home runs on Saturday, including the game winner in Philadelphia. Arenado has been unbelievable. And there you go. Guarding the line here in this case at the 1-1. Arenado with a drive. Out to left. It is gone. His third home run in the series. His second today. Nolan with home run number 17. St. Louis back on top here in the ninth, and it's 7-6. CD, the guy in July so far, is 9 for 17. That's a 529 batting average, a 556 on base, a 1.235 slug, and an OPS of 1.791. Four games, three homers, six RBIs, and there's Nolan Arenado back in the MVP race. There you go. It, 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 that's not shabby. Is that's pretty good? That's pretty good. That's you, pretty good numbers. You stri- extrapolate that out over a whole season and hit 529. You're gonna, you're gonna be, set a record. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. You're gonna be. You're headed for the Hall of Fame. They're gonna put some stuff in. They, they're gonna take some of your stuff and put it in Cooperstown. They, they yeah. gotta. They gotta. They gotta get some of it. But I, I think he's done a great job. Obviously, you want those to translate to wins. Uh, he hit for the cycle on Friday. I was texting with uh, Stalter because he he had picked him to hit the first home run and we saw it. He was excited. I said, so we, when he got home and later on in the game, I said, yeah, you picked him to hit the home run first, but you didn't have him hitting the cycle, did you? He's like, oh yeah, just you just missed it. I was going to say it. You guys cut me off. <laughs> so yeah, it, it, it's fun to see, you know, rare feats like that happen. Yeah. And then the next day they were able to hit four home runs back to back to back to back in, in the first inning. That was amazing. What a weekend. That was pretty cool. So I, I you know. Let's see how things continue to go. Him and him and Goldschmidt playing at MVP level, um, that should make them hard to stop. You just got to figure out the pitching. Exactly. Randy, All right. he, he, we mentioned Mark uh, Grudzelanek, and within 12 hours, Nolan Arenado yeah. had, had completely ruined that trivia question. Yeah, the 2005 trivia question. <laughs> All right, and CD, your number one. Oh, my number one is, is, is really the NBA offseason. Seeing where where KD is gonna go, seeing where uh, Kyrie is gonna it, it, it that to me that situation. If you're if you're an owner or a GM and you have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden, and they all leave and you get stuck with Ben Simmons, I don't know mm. if getting stuck with Ben Simmons, but if that's what you if that's what you get out of that, obviously you're gonna get some more players, but. At the end of the day, you had those three guys, and now you have Ben Simmons and whoever else is coming back. That's pretty bad. Yeah. Especially a Ben Simmons that hasn't played basketball in over a year and is not, last time we saw him, didn't want to shoot a shot. Pretty yeah. kind of important to 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 be a basketball player. Especially if you're the team's best guy. You got you to gotta shoot the yeah. ball from yeah. time to time. So that, to me, that the NBA offseason scene where all those guys end up is, is, is something I love, and I'm excited to, to see how it all unfolds. I wonder if Kyrie has truly developed enough self-awareness so that he's willing to go to the Lakers and play second fiddle to LeBron. Because it doesn't matter if LeBron's 38. If you're Kyrie, you're still going to be number two to LeBron, which is the reason that he left Cleveland, because he wanted to be the man. Well... That's the only time he had real success was playing with LeBron mm-hmm. James. They won a championship. He hit the game-winning shot, which I think a lot of people tend to forget uh, when they won that championship. So in, cr- in, in clutch moments, he was the guy that, that could make the, make the plays. Um, I don't know if Kyrie has self-awareness of, of himself in general, not just mm-hmm. as a basketball player. You know, and that's not, I, I, I don't know that he loves basketball and to be an elite player and make millions and millions of dollars, you should love what you're doing. By um, the way, this just hit me. If Kyrie 
winds up with Lakers and Westbrook with the Nets. You have Simmons who doesn't want to shoot the ball and Westbrook who doesn't care. He's shooting it anyway. He's going to shoot every shot. Can't really shoot the ball that well. He's, but, but he's going to shoot it. You know, he's he's, he's, he's going to shoot it. So you know, you, you, maybe they cancel each other out. Yeah, right. Good. Yeah, it's funny because it's, it's they've both been used in like similar ways despite being you know seven inches different in height and, mm-hmm. and one of them actually you know having a career where he was able to make a jump shot every once in a while. How, how was either of your number one not the fact that we walked in on a Tuesday morning for the first day of work? I mean, long weekends... Are just the best thing in the world when it's a Sunday morning and you're like, oh, I don't have to do my usual Sunday routine because I got I got Monday. You got I got, another I got, day. I got, you got I got an I extra can, day. I got, ba- I got banking here. I don't have to worry about going to bed at a, at a regular time. Long weekends are the best. You get extra time. It's Fourth of July. You get to see some great people. You get incredible company. I mean, man, that just a long weekend like that just that's just the best thing in the world. That's gotta I was be gonna, number one. I was gonna ask you that. How do you manage staying up for games that that end up after midnight and then having to. Be at work. Carrie, I can do it once in a while. I, I couldn't do it on a regular basis, okay. but I can do it once in a while. And the fact that, by the way, a little aside here, the fact that the Cardinals generally play quick games benefits yeah. me. Here's something that baseball didn't think about. Okay, so in the minor leagues, they've got the pitch clock, right? right? Over the weekend, they've got all these fireworks nights at minor league ballparks. But because they've got the pitch clock, the games are a half hour shorter. So fans are having to wait around for a half hour, 45 minutes until it gets dark for the fireworks to start. That's something that baseball didn't even consider. So hopefully the major leagues will take note of that next year and start their games a little bit later on the fireworks nights. It's always the little things you can never really account you for. You, you don't think about it the very until first it's year, time. Like, oh. yeah. We're going to have to fix that next year. That was our bad. My bad. First time planning, everybody. Sorry. That's three things from the weekend coming up. Take it or leave it on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. Time for Take It or Leave It. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. Carrie Davis is here for Michelle Smallman, Matthew Rocchio, Randy Carricker, and gentlemen, lines are out for week one of the NFL season, and the Super Bowl champion LA Rams at home are a one-point favorite over the Buffalo Bills. The uh, winner of that game uh, expected to be, according to Vegas, the Rams. Take it or leave it. All After all of the pomp and circumstance and being treated like they are in L.A. this offseason, the Rams lose their opener to the Bills. I'll take it. Just just because you kind of, you tend to have a Super Bowl hangover. Mm -hmm. Um, You've had a lot of, you know, questions this offseason. You're still trying to figure out if OBJ is going to come back. You don't know. Uh, Some different guys coming in, and then you had Aaron Donald kind of floating around that, I don't have to play football, you know. I love it, but I, you know, I'm I've had a great career, and he's a first ballot Hall of Famer if he retires today. Um, so you you have all of those things going on. It, it sometimes you have a you have a little bit of a hangover, and you gotta kind of find your yeah. way into the season. And the first game against a tough opponent is going to be going to be a tough game. And I would have to think that, especially on national TV, first game of the season, the taste of Buffalo's last time on the field, yeah. losing that yeah. game to Kansas City, they'll want to. A tone a yeah. little bit for that, and got to start the right way. So yeah. it's gonna be. I think this season is gonna be fun to watch. 
I, I, really I'm, interesting. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of you know a lot of movement guys going different places, going to different teams. It's going to be fun to watch. I kind of think, by the way, and we're only on the fifth of July, so there's a ways to go before the season starts, and injuries always happen in training camp. But that being said, because of Tyree Kill's departure from Kansas City, I kind of think Buffalo is my favorite in the AFC. I still like Cincinnati. Really I think good. I think they've added, yeah they they the one thing that they were lacking was offensive line depth and help and I think they fixed that in the offseason. Um, they have some studs on offense that that really can play some ball yeah. and so it's going to be fun to see how they how they look you know with an upgraded offensive line. You know what, Kerry? I feel like uh, with, with them. I don't know that I can ever consistently take them seriously. They're kind of like Cleveland for me. I would think as a Steeler, that that's kind of the way that Cincinnati would be. Uh, you, uh, no, Cleveland is, is at different. the bottom. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. We don't, we don't. Cleveland is not. Cincinnati is 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 okay. They have they've had you know good teams. They had yeah. Ocho. They had T.J. Hushmanzada. They had they've had some you know Carson Palmer. They had some really really good teams. You really can't say that about Cleveland. No, you you can't. can't. I mean, name a quarterback that you would take over Carson Palmer or or a receiver. No. So a Cleveland guy. No. Yeah. There you go. So it's not not been a lot of. Talent, <laughs> Matto. He's over there. He's, he's searching in his brain for for anybody, and you can't name him. Listen, no. listen. You guys might not remember the magic that was Joe Jaravicious, but I'll never forget. <laughs> I'll never forget. Penn State guy. <laughs> yeah. There we go. All right, take it or leave it. The Cardinals will not make the playoffs if they don't win the Central Division. Oh. If I'm they a, don't win the division, yes. I'm I, a, I, I'll take man, it. I'm going to leave that simply because. When you look at the injuries that other teams are sustaining, I don't know if Philly's going to be able to keep going without Bryce Harper. Right now, if the season started today, the Cardinals would be the last wild card. Philadelphia's going to struggle without Harper. The Giants are really a bad team right now. They're behind the Cardinals. I don't see Miami going on a run, and then the other teams are out of it. So it's really between the Cards, Phillies, and Giants, and I think the Cardinals are the best of those three. I mean, I... It, see, even if you don't think the Cardinals are the best of those three, I think if you look at the schedules, the Cardinals, because of the division, have the easiest schedule of those three. If you're in the West, that's you know that's not going to be easy mm-hmm. for the Giants with you know consistently. I think it was uh, I think it was the manager of the of the Dodgers saying every night you're you're playing almost a playoff team in the West right now with our schedule, yeah. and so I think just the the schedule makes it easier for the Cardinals. If I'm not mistaken, at least as of a couple of weeks ago, the Cardinals had the easiest remaining schedule in all of baseball. Cardinals were easiest, and White Sox were second easiest. Yeah, that's that makes things a lot easier. Take it or leave it. Odell Beckham Jr. will be an impact player again in the NFL. I'll take it. I think he, I mean, if you, had he not gotten hurt in that Super Bowl, he's probably your Super Bowl MVP. He was playing at that high of a level. Um, you know, I, I, being traded from Cleveland to, to L.A. was the best thing that could have ever happened to him because you finally got to see, hey, it's not me. I still can play football. The, the system and, and how they were doing things in Cleveland just didn't mesh well with his skill set. Um, and I think, you know, coming off an injury, he, he's only – is he is he is he thirty yet? I don't even. I think he's thirty. I, he may yeah. have just turned thirty, but he's still you know he's still a young man and 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 playing at a high level. I think he's gonna, you know, once he he figures out the best situation for him, whether that be back in L.A. or you know wherever that may be, a team, and he may be at the point right now where he's kind of waiting out training camp. When you become a vet, you don't even though it's not as much contact as it used mm-hmm. to be, you still don't want to have to do it. So he may be waiting till training camp kind of kind of unfolds and sees what's the best opportunity for him. And, and he needs to be in the right offense. Yeah. And that was the right yeah, offense in definitely. L.A. Definitely. 
He'll turn 30 about week 10. Of this, okay. yeah. So, yeah, not, not 30 just yet. Take it or leave it. MLB needs to have a free agency signing period like the NBA does to get people back into it. After some, you know, rough free agency periods. Oh, uh, yeah, I'll I take that. that. Yeah, take it always. NBA, well, I think the, the, the difference is with the NBA, you have, in order for that to happen, the Major League Baseball would have to have star players on their eight, 10-year contract, eight-year contract saying, I want out after my second year. And that's essentially what James <laughs> Harden has done. That's essentially what Kevin Durant has done. Um, they they ask to be traded while they're in the midst of making $30, $40 million a yep. year. That would be if, if, if Mike Trout came out and said, all right, I'm done. I can't take it. I'm tired of losing. I want to be somewhere where I can win, and I want to be traded right now. That would be equivalent to what's going on in 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 in, in the NBA. I don't think Major League Baseball does that or, or that they will do that. The other problem that Major League Baseball has in trying to do something like that is that in other sports, cap money dries up in yes. a hurry. Yeah. With MLB, with no salary cap, Scott Boris can sit and play one team against the other right. until January, <laughs> and he's got all the big stars. Yeah. Take it or leave it. By the end of the week, the St. Louis Blues will have made a major trade. I'll, I'll take it. We'll, we'll give it till Sunday. I'll, we'll give it till yeah, the, the I'll, I'll take that. I'll say, yeah, they, with the draft coming up this weekend and free a agency ma- starting. A major trade, meaning yeah. one of their major pieces mm. leaving and someone major coming in. Well, at least one of their major pieces leaving to open uh, up some cap space. And who would that be? Number 91. I was wondering about that. I think he, there's he, a chance. Uh, I asked. I, we talked about this last week with Stalter, and I asked him. You know, Tarasenko had. Uh, I think I, Jamie was on, and and we. I asked Jamie. Tarasenko asked for a trade last year, correct? Mm-hmm. But but really made no noise this entire season. Is that still up on the table? Is it still on the table? And and does he want to be here? Has he has he has he grumbled? You know, loudly or quietly that he he still wants to be traded. And what do you get back for him if he decide if they do decide to take to, See, to trade him and. If he decides now that he's happy, he does have a no-trade clause. Yeah, so, so he's yeah. got all the power. Right. But if you're the Blues and you want to bring Perron back and you need to get a defenseman and you've only got $9 million in cap space and you need a, need a backup goalie, he's only got one year left on his contract. That's the thing. I think with Vladdy, you either sign him to an extension or you trade him. I don't think he can be in between, Kerry, because... You can't allow an asset like that to walk out the door for nothing. Exactly, because where's your where your goal scorer is going to come? Where, where are you going to get yeah. scoring from? If he leaves, if he walks out, and you don't get anything, you get defense in return. That's nice. It's good to to not allow goals, but you got to put some in the in the net to to win some games. And he does that very well. He's the Blues' best guy at yeah. that. So they'll have to count on the depth that they had last year. And take it or leave it, the Cardinals catcher no later than the beginning of the 2024 season is not currently in the organization. So by 2024, the guy who starts the most games that year, two years yeah. from now, is not currently in the Cardinals organization. I'm going to leave that. Yvonne Herrera is going to be there. Catcher. He just he just had a he had a he struggled. Yeah, in his first in his first opportunity. Yeah, that and, has happened before. Yeah, I, and I think he's a guy. I think sometimes the the you know maybe you put a little bit more pressure on yourself. But if you're if you have a long history of playing well, no matter where you are, eventually it'll it'll all come around. Remember in 2006, Yadier Molina hit 218 or 216 when the Cardinals won the World Series, and Tony told him, "Look, I don't care if you ever get a hit. You don't have to get a hit all year long as long as you keep playing keep great playing defense. defense. Yep. Yep. And that's what it is for the catcher. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And that is Take It or Leave It. Thanks for your text. We do appreciate them. Coming up, the cards fall in their opener to the Braves last night. Can they bounce back this evening? That's coming your way with Kerry, Matthew, and Randy on 101 ESPN.
We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Character and Smallman's Fresh Take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. It pays to shop at Schnucks. Download the Schnucks Rewards app today. It's 8.06 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Michelle Smallman on vacation. Carrie Davis, kind enough to join us this morning. Matthew Rocchio, Randy Carricker. The Cardinals lose last night 6-3 to three in Atlanta. Had a two-and-a-half-hour rain delay. A rough start again for Dakota Hudson. And I guess, Carrie, that uh, coming out of last night's game, that's got to be the biggest concern for the Cardinals is, even though Dakota Hudson this year has essentially been a 500 guy. He started 18 games. The Cardinals have won eight and lost eight. And he has given them innings. He's averaged about five and a third innings per start. The last three or four starts for Dakota Hudson have been troubling him. Last night he allows six earned runs on nine hits, and he walked three in four innings. And the the three walks were the ones, the, the things that really bothered and irked Ali Marmol. Yeah, you, when you're you're not giving uh, your defense an opportunity to even play because you're walking people, it puts your your, your it puts them in a in a in a bind and puts stress on them because now you got runners on base. It, it just changes up the game plan from from a bases empty uh, situation, and and as I said earlier, when you start walking batters, you you usually expect those guys to come around and score, and it's it's tough to win games or or have success when you're putting people on base without even having to work for it. Oliver Marmol, um, what went wrong for Hudson in this game? I mean, at the end of the day, you got to be able to put people away. Bottom line, the game is about missing bats, so you got to either be really good at being on the ground and not giving up free passes, or you got to miss bats. And obviously, when you allow nine hits, you aren't missing enough bats. He struck out only two, and even though the Braves didn't hit a home run. 74 pitches, 44 strikes. That means 30 balls, obviously, for a sinker ball guy who should just throw the ball. What, what a guy like that does with, with his stuff. You aim for the middle of the plate and let it sink and let the other team pound it into the ground. But don't walk them. Do not walk them. Let them hit it. Hit it to your guys, preferably. Not mm-hmm. hard hit balls. It shouldn't be hard hit balls if, if you're a sinker ball pitcher and, and the ball is, as you said, falling off and, and, and going to be low. But if you're keeping it up in the zone and they get an opportunity to, to hammer on you, that just means you're, you're, you're missing your spots and, and they're taking full advantage of it. And it's going to be a long day. When you, when you couple that with walking people and, and leaving the ball up in the zone, you're going to have a long day out there uh, trying, to, trying to find a, a way to win the game. Meanwhile, last weekend, the Cardinals called up Connor Capel from Memphis. And yesterday, he hit his first Major League home run. He's seeing a lot of action for Marmol. Uh, yeah, uh, going to continue to see him. Big swing today, two-run homer. Um, nice play as well, playing it off the off the wall there, and the one he jumped up and grabbed. So a uh, good defense, good swing today. So if we're going to continue to see Capel, and Brendan Donovan is going to get opportunities out there, and Dylan Carlson is out there, and eventually, maybe even today, we're going to see T- Tyler O'Neill back out there. We're going to have BC, and hopefully within ten days, you'll see. Harrison Bader back too. We're going to be seeing a lot of outfielders. Yeah, you go, and it's going to be about who 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 
takes advantage at the play. But, you know, with Harrison, you know you're going to have a, a, an outfielder that we talked about it with, with Yachty, what, what Tony La Russa told him when he first came up. I don't care if you hit the ball, but if you play defense like that, you're going to play every night. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's the same situation with Harrison Bader. If he's hitting, if he's hitting, it's a plus. But you know, in the field, he's going to take care of. He's going to man that that outfield and, and track down balls and make great plays on the ball and, and get the ball to the right spot. So, um, I think that's a good problem to have when you have five outfielders that that can mm-hmm. play the game and, and Gold Glovers and, and guys that are going to make plays defensively, uh, not make errors and get the ball to the cutoff man and and not throw it, you know, to the wrong base and allow extra ba- a lot of runners to gain the extra base. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be good, but at the end of the day, we still have to figure out what we're doing on the mound and right, how right. well they're going to do it. Because no matter what's behind you, if the ball is over the fence, nobody can play it. Exactly. And the Cardinals, <laughs> when when they're healthy, they have an elite defense. But you need to give if you're walking guys, you aren't giving that defense yeah. a chance to win games for you. And there are guys. Andre Pallante, who pitches tonight, is a guy who just doesn't walk anybody and lets his defense go to work. And he's turned that into a really good start to his major league career. It's kind of weird to say that Dakota Hudson should be watching a rookie, but he should be watching a rookie. He should watch the way Pallante pitches. He's done a very great job, and I'm excited to see you know what he's able to do tonight. Speaking of Dakota Hudson, just the, the amount of earned runs he's given up his last three starts is is the part that you know I think Ali Marmal is is it, it becomes concerning. Once mm-hmm. is a is a is okay. Twice you okay that's an issue. Three times it's starting to become a pattern, and you want to make sure that. We don't. We have to put ourselves. If you're giving up five runs, six runs, three runs every time you go out there, you're putting your defense, you're putting your team in a in a hole where they have to fight, scratch and claw to get out of. Uh, Andre Pallante, I'm excited to see how how he continues to grow, how well he continues to pitch, um, and if he does continue to pitch at a, at a very high level, does he now become your number three guy, and and you start to move Dakota back where he can get against those fourth or fifth starters and and not have to face a top of the rotation type of guy. Uh, uh, Every, every every single series. You nailed it, CD. That would be my preference. And the Cardinals will get Mats back pretty soon. And we don't know how good Mats is. He's We don't one, know, do we? No, he, <laughs> he's been hurt for a good part of his career. Had a really good year. A lot of people yeah. have good free agent yeah. years. And he had a really good year last year. But he's never been a really consistent guy. I've been I, I've heard him referred to as bipolar, which is mm. not, not not really, really by just, just performance. Just I got you. you, you just, you're riding a roller coaster yeah. with him, yeah. so he's probably more of a fourth guy too. So I'm with you. I think Pallante right now, if I were slotting things in, if I were starting a playoff series, it'd be Wainwright, Michaelis, Pallante would be my top three, and then Dakota and who who's who's your fifth guy? Well. Uh, hopefully in the postseason I don't have to use a fifth starter. Oh, oh in the postseason, correct. Yeah, I yeah. got you. Okay, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, my, well, my number three is going to be Mad Bum. Well, because he's coming over before the trade deadline yeah, is. Yeah, yeah there let's you get go. it. <laughs> Bringing bells of hay with him. I, 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 I'll move some bells of hay with him. Oh yeah, I will too. He's, yeah. he's, a, he's a guy. <laughs> that's Kerry. I'm Randy, and that's today's fresh take on 101 ESPN. Coming up, Tom Hart called the Cardinals over the weekend. He is the he called Brad Thompson's games in Knoxville back in the day. He also does a lot of Mizzou for SEC Network, and he joins us next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. K 
Terry Davis is in for Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Carricker, and Tom Hart called the Cardinals game against the Phillies on Saturday with Marley Rivera. That was the game in which the Cardinals started off with four consecutive home runs. They made it fun. And he also is a Mizzou graduate. He works for SEC Network. He's done a lot of Mizzou games and SEC games, obviously, over the years. Tom Hart with us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Hey, Randy, I'm great. Thanks for having me on. And let's just add one more little nugget. Uh, I live in Atlanta now, and I made it through half of the game last night. But I, I got up, I got to the ballpark, I had amazing seats, shout out Ernie Moore, and then uh, then the rains came, and uh, the family had a great time, but we weren't about to sit through two and a half hours. So we, and I hope everyone will forgive me. We bailed. Nobody blames you at all. And by the way, what a baseball gamer to do a game on Saturday and then go to a game on Sunday night. You're loyal. Uh, yeah, well, I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't pass it up, you know. Um, <laughs> it's fun for me being being in Atlanta. Of course, the, the Braves have had a great season already so far. But um, just kind of, I think, from a 30,000-foot view, there's so much to like about this Cardinals team. And it was a reminder seeing them in Philadelphia and talking to people and being at the ballpark again. It's just – and I, I I repeat this, and I know people there hear it all the time, but I think it helps to hear it from – outside the market. It is just such a well-respected organization from the top down that it's they're, they're a fun group to be around. And, and I think they're a fun group to watch and plug in a couple of holes and make a couple of improvements here and there. Um, and, and they're on their path to another great season, I think. Tom, Randy and I were, were speaking about that earlier. When you speak of, of, you know, Major League Baseball, I think you think Yankees and I think Cardinals are right there um, as, as maybe the number two franchise of, of, in all of baseball. Um, you, you called the game on Saturday. Talk to us a little bit about those four home runs and what that moment was like. And, and did you think it was ever going to end? <laughs> Jerry, my, my pants hadn't even gotten wrinkled yet. And there are four home runs on the board. Like, how does that happen? And especially against a guy like Kyle Gibson, who, by the way, is a ground ball pitcher. There were there are a lot of different. You go into a game as a broadcaster, a lot of different things you prepare for. Uh, that would have been way down the list that he was going to give up a ton of home runs early. He only allowed three home runs in the first inning all of last year. So allow four in the first was uh, was not at all what what any of us are, were expecting. And and he got the first two guys out. You know what I mean? So. He was off to a pretty good start, but you look at the history of four home run binges, and we just kind of touched on it there Saturday night. I looked at it again on the flight home Sunday morning. Only 11 times it's been done before, but a lot of those have been recently, right? I mean, you go back to Milwaukee Braves did it with uh, with Hank Aaron back, you know, 50 years ago, uh, shoot, 70 years ago. But most of them have occurred in the last handful of years, and it's a representation of where the, the game is right now that not only is the home run such a big part of it but you have guys throughout the entire order who are always a danger to put one over the wall and it's interesting with that team because philadelphia it doesn't matter it doesn't have to go over the wall that defense leaves something to be desired doesn't it and the cardinals didn't even oh. didn't need to take advantage of that yeah they didn't commit it neither team committed a single error in that in that saturday night game but the Phillies are a really interesting bunch, and I, I think they've got the right guy at the helm right now, Rob Thompson. I wouldn't be surprised if, if they end up making him the full-time manager the way the players have reacted to him and, and his background. I mean, he was really close to getting the Yankees job when, when Aaron Boone got it anyway. But um, they have 
pieces, it's just hard to imagine. I guess you can go back to when the Red Sox won it under Cora a couple of years ago. That wasn't a great defensive team, and they played in a homer. Obviously, the Red Sox played in a homer-friendly ballpark, so maybe you can get away with it at times. I just, if I was a general manager or a manager, I'd be really nervous. And if I was a pitcher, I really wouldn't be very happy to try to make it through an entire season and win a championship, which is essentially they got seven DHs out there, and that's without Bryce Harper. Tom, I, we were talking about the Cardinals and, and kind of their struggles um, pitching. What do you think in um – resolve some of those issues, whether it be in the bullpen or, or starting pitching, how do they move forward and, and, and become a, a much better team where they're more consistent than they have been? Well, number one, get healthy, right? I mean, that's that's the first thing they have to do to try to figure out who they have. I don't think you can put much faith in Flaherty being an impact pitcher in the rotation this year. I mean, number one, you have no idea about the timing. Um, you know, the trade deadline's coming up on August 2nd. How do you fill his spot? Uh, I was really disappointed in, in Libertor the other night. I, I expected more, but I don't think he's, um, you know, I had a GM tell me years ago, prospects are called prospects for a reason. Like people went panning for gold back in the 1800s. Didn't mean they came home rich. Right. Um, and I, I think he's got, he's, he's got some pieces, but he, he doesn't seem to be a front of the line starter that you might expect from, um, you know, the, the third best prospect in the organization. So I don't know how reliable or dependable that can be. So number one, um, you know, you got to look at the trade deadline and what are you willing to give up to get a starter that can slide in there and be reliable. But I'll, I'll throw this back to you guys. I mean, Jordan Hicks looked really good out of the bullpen. And I know the bullpen needs help, but there are more pieces coming. And, and I have more faith in the Cardinals bullpen right now than I do in the rotation I wonder if they would be, even though it wasn't a success earlier this season, with the way Hicks is throwing, and he came out blazing 102-103, does he get another opportunity down the line to get into the rotation and see if he can solidify things? Is that You guys think that's possible? Tom, they might have to, because when he went on the IL, they thought, okay, well, we'll have a couple of weeks, and he'll come back as a bullpen piece, but we'll have Jack Flaherty back, because Flaherty was throwing yeah. well on his rehab, and like you said, nobody here expects Flaherty to come back and be effective for the Cardinals. You just don't come back from shoulders. So that would be my expectation, because Matthew Libertor is not what we expected he was going to be. We thought he'd be a mid-rotation guy, and when you can't go only two and two-thirds and then get another opportunity or get multiple opportunities. So either he's going to have to figure it out or the Cardinals are going to have to do something. And Hicks, at least, he, he started to give him innings towards the end of his stint as a starter. Yeah, it, the, the problem there, once again, is timing. And the Cardinals right now do not have the benefit of an easy schedule to kind of coast towards the all-star break, right? The Braves are the defending world champions. You saw how dangerous they can be. Dansby Swanson's having an MVP caliber season. You get the Phillies again, and then you get the Dodgers. Mm -hmm. Um, At the same time, unless I'm mistaken, you guys know better than I, the Brewers aren't exactly running through a gauntlet right now. They have a pretty, pretty tame schedule um, uh, running, running parallel to what the Cardinals are going through right now. Um, so I, I don't know what the answer is, but it's kind of like, hey, can they tread water right now? Can they, can they get enough out of the bullpen to cover for some of those struggles to keep them within shouting distance of the Brewers and then get more pieces back in the bullpen healthy, figure something out before the trade deadline if you're going to add a starter 
and figure out the catching position too. That's a that is a giant hole for this team right now. And big picture, Tom Tom Hart of ESPN and of the SEC Network with us on 101 ESPN. Big picture, the Cardinals have the second easiest remaining schedule. Only Houston has a lower winning percentage against than the Cardinals. And so the Cardinals can look at the big picture. Their last six games of the season are against the Pirates. So maybe they can uh, make some hay here in the second half. Yeah, well, then that's much better than I thought. I was thinking short term, the next you know fourteen yeah. or so, wherever we are right now, against a, a gauntlet. But yeah, catch your breath, stay within striking distance, uh, and then and then be there ready to ready to attack. Uh, that's that is a gift from the gods. Mm-hmm. Six straight against the Pirates to close the season. Hey Tom, I'm, I'm gonna shift gears a little bit with you. You being a Mizzou guy, uh, you're you're you're. Tigers made a move a few years back to the SEC. I want to know what your thoughts are uh, with the Pac-12 and, and the shift that has been made from those teams, USC and, and UCLA, making that move to the Big Ten. Well, to think about it from a Missouri perspective, it just reinforces the move that they made to come to the SEC was the right move at the right time. Um, you can argue that Missouri as an institution and maybe even as an athletic department would be a better fit in the Big Ten. And I can't argue against that. I mean, from the academic standpoint to the geographic location and, and how they fit with whether it's Illinois, Iowa, Nebraska, Michigan State, other schools that are like them, I get it. But that wasn't an option. The SEC was an option. Now they're, now you've been tapped on the shoulder. You're, you're one of the chosen ones because the future for collegiate athletics is two major conferences. That's it. It's just two. And either you're in or you're out. And right now Missouri is in. Schools with great tradition and history that we know well growing up in the Midwest, Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State, others, they're all out. Uh, Oregon, out right now. Now, whether that changes and they get a chance to join the the Big Ten remains to be seen. Um, I'm not a fan of where collegiate athletics are going. I grew up in the Big 8 and the Big 12, and I have an appreciation for the history of it. I think that's what sets college athletics apart from, uh, you know, from the NFL, for example. Um, and to see that just kind of go by the wayside is, is disappointing. Um, but it's, I guess, progress in the, in the name of, of growth. So I don't, I don't know that anyone knows what's next. And if people think they do, I would just rewind the, the calendar to, what, 10, 12 days ago. Nobody saw USC, UCLA to the Big Ten. Right. Uh, and if you did, you're a random blogger in Minnesota who got something right. And <laughs> kudos to that guy. And, Tom, it's interesting because, and it's been this way for 100 years, but with the moves of USC and UCLA to the Big Ten, I think it really does centralize the power. And it's been this way that there's probably a dozen teams that have a chance to win a national championship. Now they're concentrated in two conferences. And, Randy, I was thinking about this recently. It's a really interesting point because – Let's be honest, the teams in the bottom half of, uh, as they're constituted now, the SEC and the Big Ten, really don't, don't have much of a chance to win a national title. You know, Purdue had a really good year last year. They're not winning a national championship anytime soon. Uh, Missouri played for the SEC championship twice. It, it's really hard to keep up with the Alabamas, the LSUs, and the Georgias of the world. But what this is going to do is not just concentrate the power, but concentrate the finances. Mm-hmm. And, and schools like Missouri, Purdue, Indiana – are now going to have way more than they've ever had, and, and not just more money at their disposal, but a better market share of that money to then compete. And if you're looking for a positive, I think that's something that you could grab onto, that, um, that they would have that opportunity. If you, if you remain on the outside, 
you're going to have to really be an outlier to have a chance. That would be Clemson. That would be Oregon. Um, and I don't know that you go any any further down the line than that because it's going to – these leagues are going to be making twice as much per year than any other league. So, uh, you know, if you're making $100 million as UCLA and the team up the road, Stanford, is only making $20 million from their TV revenue – Think about that every year, the head start that uh, that the schools that are quote-unquote in are going to have on the others. Tom Hart, always great to hear your voice, and uh, we'll, we'll never forget that you were the voice of Brad Thompson's 57 and two-thirds inning scoreless streak. <laughs> please, please remind him of that, and ask him why he's been wearing sunglasses lately. <laughs> we'll do that. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Hey, thanks for your time. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. See you later. That is Tom Hart. He called the Cards and Phillies on Saturday. He works for both ESPN and SEC Network, same ownership, and he's great. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm Good guy. It, 57 and two-thirds, is that what yeah. you said, for, for BT? Consecutive scoreless innings. Whoa. Yeah. All pretty, right, BT. Yeah, he was going to be Greg Maddox. And hey. then he got to the majors and yeah. didn't go as well. Yeah. By the way, I'm a Mizzou <laughs> fan. You're an Illinois grad. You played for Illinois. Yes. So I'm going to ask you, rationally, do you see a scenario in which Illinois could ever win a national championship? At this rate? Yeah. No. And with who's in the conference? Because I don't think Mizzou can. Well, in order to to win a national championship, you first have to win a conference championship. Mm-hmm. And in order to to do that, you have to get the right people in, you know, the right players, the right coaching staff. I, I, I have to see what, you know, Bielema is able to do with the staff that they have and the players that they have coming in. I'm excited, but I also am a, a realist and and – I looked up a stat. This is this is terrible, Randy. <laughs> I looked up a stat. I think since the last time Illinois coach had a winning record was 1987. Ooh, man. So from from 87 until now, every coach that has been there had had a losing record, and that is that is not going no, to win no. national championships, let alone Big Ten championships. Maybe not even six to seven games a year, which. In my opinion, Illinois should be no worse than what Iowa is. You know, seven to eight yeah. wins a year, and then you have that season where you win 10, 11, 12, and you put yourself in the Big Ten Championship with an opportunity to play for a national championship. So that's what I would want. That's what I expect, but we haven't we haven't had that, that opportunity or that success just yet. And we're going to get to the fight in a moment, but I want to pass it. I, I just want to ask you this question because this is the way I perceive it. Number one, when the moves are made, Oklahoma, Texas to the SEC, USC, UCLA to the Big Ten. Big 12 and Pac-12 have no chance to get teams into the into the playoffs, no. right? No chance. So you're, and Clemson and maybe Miami if you squint real hard if they can get things from the ACC and Florida State and, okay, based so on based Florida. on just just you know history and and what they are and who they are I would say and then you if you if to the SEC and mm-hmm. then I would say maybe Duke well because of basketball Duke in North Carolina possibly to the yeah. Big Ten yeah but I'm Be- just, I'm just talking about with a chance to win a championship to win a championship okay so the, those three let's yeah let, let's go with those three from the ACC then everything else you've got Ohio State you've got Michigan you let's even throw Penn State yeah. in there because yeah. they've won in the past yeah and then it's Alabama Auburn uh Texas, LSU. Oklahoma LSU Georgia yeah. there's 12 13 teams that have a chance to win a championship and that's that's going to be tough in any given for, year for yeah. the teams that Mizzou are, Mizzou's not going to beat those it's, it's tough and same thing like I said same thing for Illinois when you have those powerhouses in your conference my fear what I spoke about last week was are they going to remove the the, the dead weight 
which would be fearful for for a team for my alma mater in Illinois. If I'm Ohio State, I would not have voted for USC to come into the conference. Yeah. USC is going to be a problem for everybody. It's going to be fun, though. It I is think gonna it's going to be, be exciting. Yeah. It'll, yeah. it'll, it'll be fun it'll, to see. It. By the way, I guess we should throw Notre Dame in there, even though they haven't won since 88. Yeah, if they ever change they the ever way decide, of doing things, yeah, yeah. To, to do it, they I don't can. Think they, I don't think they have a need to or, or want to do that. No. I'm they ready. haven't had I'm yet. So. Yeah. That's Kerry Davis. Great to have him with us on Carriker and Smallman. Michelle is on vacation. Matthew is here. And those two are going to present The Fight coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe Listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Character. Good morning, everybody, and welcome in to the fight here on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Carrie Davis in studio, Matt Rocchio as well. We're taking you through the fight here as Michelle Smallman is out today. She'll be back tomorrow, and Randy is out in the hallway, the cone of silence, as it is the fight. He, of course, doesn't get to hear these questions. We'll bring in our fighter right off the bat. Steve joins us for the fight today. Steve, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? Doing great, doing great. How are you feeling about taking on Randy today in the fight? I'm a little bit nervous, but I'm gonna give it my best. Megamind will do that to folks. That's the thing, Carrie. Megamind, he 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 gets the he it's gets amazing. the people rattled. Yeah, it's amazing watching him process things when he comes back in. All right, well, you ready to get started here, Steve? I sure am. All right, we'll get started here with number one. All right, a little Wimbledon over the weekend. Novak Djokovic, Rafael Nadal, and Roger Federer have all won at least twenty Grand Slams. Of the three of them, who has won the most total Grand Slams? Is that Novak Djokovic, Rafael Nadal, or Roger Federer? I'm gonna go with Federer. All right, Steve. Who was the last American to win the Wimbledon's Gentlemen's Championship? Is it John McEnroe, Pete Sampras, or Andy Roddick? Uh, Andy Roddick. After their first World Series win in the 1920s, what was the first decade the Yankees didn't win a World Series? Was it the 1960s, the 1980s, or the 2010s? Uh, ooh, that's a tough one. Um, give me uh, 2010s. All right, Steve. Jose Akendo was the Swiss Army knife, the secret weapon who played everywhere but started an overwhelming amount of his career at either second base or shortstop. At what position did he have his third most starts in his career? Third base, right field, or center field? I'm going to go third base. All right, we'll confirm our score. You got the, you get the same score from me? Yep. There it is. Yeah, got you. Score is confirmed. We're going to bring in Randy. Steve, how do you feel you did here in, in your edition of the fight? I actually think I did pretty well. Not bad, Steve. Not bad. I think he did pretty well as well. Randy is in studio. No, no Propel, no Dr. Pepper. He's just running off. Propel. No, Propel's oh, right there. Never running. mind. I'm he's sorry, Steve. Yeah. He's locked in, ready to go with the, with the water. Randy, say hi to Steve. You're going to be taking him on the fight today. Steve, good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We do appreciate it. Well, good. I listen to you guys every day, and I enjoy it. Thank you very much, Steve. Yeah, we appreciate that, Steve. All right. Randy, you ready for your 
run in the fight here. Ready. All right. Novak Djokovic, Rafael Nadal, and Roger Federer have all won at least 20 Grand Slams. Mm -hmm. Of those three, who has won the most total Grand Slams across their career? I believe it's Federer who has won the most Grand Slams. Uh, Let's see. I think Nadal has won 14. I'll go with uh, Roger Federer. All right, Randy, who was the last American to win the Wimbledon Gentlemen's Championship? Wimbledon Gentlemen's Championship. Singles, if that needs to be said. Yeah, I know. Um, I was just looking at this yesterday, doing some research, but I neglected to think about the uh, last American to win. I'm going to go with Pete Sampras, though. After their first win in the 1920s, what was the first decade the Yankees didn't win a World Series? Hmm. They won in the 30s, won the 40s, won a lot in the 50s. Uh, they won in the 60s, obviously won in the 70s. In the 80s, you had the Phillies over the Royals, and then you had the Dodgers over the Yankees, and you had the Cardinals win, and then you had in 83, the uh, Orioles. 84 was the Tigers, 85 was the Royals, 86 was the Mets, 87 was the Twins, 88 was the Doyers, and 89 was not the Yankees, the 89 uh, World Champions were the A's. So I'm going to say the uh, the 1980s were a year, in a uh, decade in which the Yankees didn't win a World Series. All right, Randy, Jose Akendo was the Swiss Army Knight, the Army Knife, the secret weapon who played everywhere but started an overwhelming amount of his career at either second base or shortstop. Mm-hmm. At what position did he have his third most starts in his career? Mm, this is good. Let's see. Um, he also played third base, but the Cardinals during the course of his career had Terry Pendleton for the majority of that time, although TP was hurt. Uh, and then after he left, let's see, the Cardinals, trying to think of after, well, you had Zeal play third. So, uh, and then you had right field where he played a lot. But you have Bruno. In 88, you really didn't. 87, he was one of the guys. They had 10 different right fielders in 1987. <laughs> um, I think Rick Horton was actually one of them. <laughs> so, uh, and then 88 it was the year he pitched. And the Cardinals didn't really have it. I'll go with right field for fun. Oh, this was a good one. I, I thought I thought Randy was about to make me play uh, multiple sounders on this one, but uh, let's just get right to it. We got it. We got a winner today, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna ring the bell on this one, and, and, and you know, you know, stop letting Randy play with his food. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Brought to you by High and Dry Foundation Repair, home of the non-commission based sales force and hassle-free warranty. Just win, baby. There it is. Randy with a win to start off a short week over Steve. Steve, you gave him a good run. He beat you 3-2. to two. 
Oh, wow. Very good. Very good run here. Let's go through some of the answers. Obviously, Novak Djokovic, Rafael Nadal, and Roger Federer have all won at least 20 Grand Slams, and Roger Federer has won the most. He has won 22. Djokovic and um, Nadal both sitting at exactly 20 Grand Slams. Nadal in those French court, those French open. Yeah, 14. Clay courts, 14 of his 20 coming just from that one right there. The last American to win the Wimbledon Gentlemen's Championship was, in fact, Pete Sampras. He had uh, seven Wimbledon Championships, the last one coming in two. 2000. Andy Roddick, unfortunately, has yet to capture his Wimbledon championship. And after their first win in the 20s, it was, in fact, the 1980s. The next decade, that the Yankees went 10 full years without winning a championship. They snuck two in there early in the 60s. That was the other option. And then, obviously, they have not won one in the 2010s or the 2020s either. And then Jose Okendo, the Swiss Army Knife, the secret weapon. He started 571 games at second base, 271 games at shortstop, and then 43 games at third base, third base. for his third most starts. I think it was about 26 starts at right field. Um, I think he had more combined outfield starts than he did third base, but when you break down the actual position, third base beats it out for the third one. So a 3-2 win for Randy. Thank you again to Steve. All right, Steve, thank you very much. By the way, it was Jose Okendo in the last game, I think of the 88 season, that placed a cheeseburger on top of third base for the umpire, Eric Gregg. (laughs) And Gregg noticed it and then went and ate it. Oh, really? (laughs) It worked. It worked. worked. That's fascinating. By the way, July 4th, an incredible day of birthdays in sports. Jose oh, yeah. Okendo, George Steinbrenner, and Al Davis. That's an unbelievable day in sports right Just now. win, baby. I love it. Right. There we go. <laughs> uh, Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports had a great piece about college football. He's had a couple over the course of the last few days. He joins us next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Champ Kerry Davis in for Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Character. Great to have you with us on 101 ESPN. And we had across the state our friend Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports. He's been a busy man. You wouldn't think in college football that a guy, a writer, would be as busy as Dennis Dodd has been over the last week, but he has been, and he's kind enough to spend some time with us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line right now. Dennis Dodd, always good to have you with us. How are you doing? Randy, I'm good. How are you? Everything's great. Number one, you have your ear to the ground of college football. You have a pretty good idea of what's going on. So what was your reaction when you found out last week that USC and UCLA were switching to the Big Ten? I was floored. It was bigger than even Texas-Oklahoma last July. Um, to to cut those ties with the Pac-12, they were the, you know, the flagship programs, if you will, of that league with a tradition and, and uh, relationship that goes back a century to then to then make the conscious decision to fly five hours to the New York area for a volleyball game, which is essentially what we're talking about beyond football, was 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 staggering to me. But but the money's the money and that's why they did it. That's what I was going to ask you, Dennis. How 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 does that work? I mean, the money situation. Obviously, you get the the second biggest market in L.A. with those two teams. Um, you have Chicago area with Illinois Northwestern as the number three. How does that How does that all come together? And and was it solely about you know money when they were making that move? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I don't think I don't think they could say this had anything to do with academics. When you're going to have to hire a legion of tutors to work on charter flights back east. Um, no, this was this was uh, the Big Ten's answer to Texas Oklahoma. They saw the SEC, you know, uh, monopolizing really college athletics at the top, 
uh, and football in particular, and they had to make a move to stay up there. And this had been going on. You had to believe this was going on for a period of months. The amazing thing is, just like Texas, Oklahoma, it didn't leak. Um, really, at USC, I was able to determine people started last Wednesday, and they were saying, hey, hold tight, something big's happening tomorrow. Well, that had been m- months in the making. And I think, as I wrote, that USC has always had this sort of philosophy that we bring more to the conference than that conference brings to us. You know, we've got options. We are L.A. We're the flagship program. And they found it out. Um, it's just going to seem weird for them, you know, playing a big noon game at 9 Pacific time. Yeah. <laughs> the Rose Bowl, I don't know what happens to the Rose Bowl, frankly. Um, uh, and, you know, UCLA plays in the Rose Bowl. Well, how does it impact recruiting? You know, they're going to make money. UCLA is 100, $108 million in the hole in their athletic budget. So that explains that. But USC making this move is, in both of them, is, is shocking. Hey, Dennis, there are so many ramifications to this. And one of the things that Carrie and I just referenced was it seems like once these teams move, Oklahoma, Texas to the SEC, USC, UCLA to the Big Ten, there is virtually no chance of a Pac-12 or Big 12 team playing in the playoffs, is there? Oh, I think it's being, uh, I think it's being shaped right now. Um, I think the Big 12 is being very aggressive. I think the Big 12 is going to expand with Pac-12 teams. And they kind of see that now. If you're not in those top two conferences, then you've got to assemble the best, the biggest number of brands that you can under one roof. So all of a sudden, you know, the Big 12 maybe has Oregon and Washington. You have the Mountain Time Zone in Utah and Colorado. You have the fifth biggest city in the country in Phoenix if you go to Arizona. That's not bad. Um, You know, it keeps you in there where you have to be accounted for in the playoff. I personally think this is going to come going to come down to not those 32 at the top, the SEC and the Big Ten, but maybe a top 50, top 80 that play at that level. Um, and that's what this is about. Those schools that the Big 12 is talking to bring what is called pro rata, and that means equal value to what they would have gotten with the 12, at least equal value, because there's no reason in doing it if you don't. So those markets, those schools that I just mentioned, bring that. Dennis, it, it, there's been talks of, of possibly this ended up being like two super conferences. Uh, do you see that happening? And, and if there are more additions, do you see any teams being subtracted from those conferences? Uh, I think we're staring at super conferences right now. Those, <laughs> those, two, those two leagues at the top are 16 each. And they, as, I, as I've written, they could credibly stage their own playoffs. You know, would would anyone care if they had their own playoff, if Cincinnati went undefeated, if Boise went undefeated? Uh, the answer is no. Um, they could do that right now, and they know they could do that, among other things. Um, so, yeah, the super conferences will come. You know, as I mentioned, the Big 12, I think, will get bigger uh, and their strength in numbers. The ACC is the one that's kind of locked in. They have a media rights agreement that goes until 2036. And a grant of rights that really locks those teams in. The biggest news was yesterday, I think there was a report that Notre Dame is going to stay independent. Uh, Sports Illustrated, I think, had that. So if that's the case, then clearly the light is shining on the Big 12 and Pac-12 for next move now. 
CBS Sports Dennis Dodd with us on 101 ESPN, and he's done great work on expansion of conferences ever since we got going here with the Nebraska and uh, their move to the Big Ten many, many years ago. Dennis, one of your lines last week, as you might imagine, caught the attention of Mizzou fans when the, the idea of Mizzou and Vanderbilt being kicked out of the SEC, essentially, to bring in Clemson and Florida State, I think you, you brought up, or, or Miami, one of those two. And you, you couched it as improbable and as a long shot, but is it completely out of the realm of possibility? No, it's not, and that's why I mentioned it. It's it's possible just because t- uh, the Big East did it with Temple years ago for underperformance, basically. Um, and I, w- I was shocked to be reminded that could happen. Like, the, the conferences uh, bind with the teams, if you will. Um I'm sorry, the teams bind with the conferences and their grant of rights and their allegiance and everything. Not so much on the on the conferences, on the conference side. You know, any conference could vote to get rid of a member for for any number of reasons. And I just I just use Missouri as an example. I you know, I probably shouldn't have used Missouri, you know, cuz that hits home <laughs> around here obviously. Mm-hmm. I'm in the area, but but yeah, I the first school I thought of was Vanderbilt. I mean, they Vanderbilt, you know, their best thing is they give the school, the conference, you know, kind of a sometimes kind of a renegade conference, at least off the field, uh, academic credibility. So, um, but they're not very good at football. And, and I want to, uh, I know you have to run here. Just one yeah. other point here, because a lot of people brought up Ole Miss and Mississippi State. I would think their pedigree in the conference would carry some weight with the SEC. I know money is the big driver here, but tradition is part of it too with this conference. Less and less. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I think Mississippi State more than Mississippi. But your point is well taken. Yeah, there, there, is, there is tradition. But, you know, what tradition do Texas and Oklahoma have in the SEC? And what, what tra- tradition is there going to be when, when and the time will come when the SEC and Big Ten flexes one on some issue or another? Uh, it could, even could be uh, playoff expansion. Or they get together and say, you know what, in 2026, we don't have to be unanimous. You know what we're going to do? We're going to do the 12 best. And we that means, you know, 8 of the 12, 10 of the 12 could be Big, 12, uh, big 10 SEC. Dennis Dodd, you're a must-read for this information at CBSSports.com. We always appreciate you taking the time. We know you're busy, and uh, you get to return in that call, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, sir. All right. Thank you, Randy. See you later. Dennis Dodd, CBSSports.com. Interesting to me. As he he spoke about Vanderbilt and Mizzou from the SEC, and I was thinking Illinois and Rutgers, you know, from mm-hmm. the Big Ten, and you have potentially four teams in the ACC: Miami, uh, Florida State. You have Virginia Tech, which is has, mm-hmm. has been a football powerhouse, yep. and Clemson. Clemson. Yep. If 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 Miami and and Clemson go to the SEC, you could Virginia Tech and 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 Florida State come to the Big Ten. It, it's there are so many. Because, as he said a week ago, you didn't think that two teams from across the country would end up being in a in a mainly midwestern you know conference right. uh, make that transition, make that move. I think all things are on the table at this point, which, as an Illini, it scares the hell out of me <laughs> <laughs> realistically you you don't know what is possible other than you need to win games and 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 perform. 
I think basketball does a good job, but we're mainly talking football yeah. at this point. It's not about, you know, basketball is cool, but football seems to be the driving force for these these transitions and these moves. Yeah, 85% of the TV money comes from football. So, so we're going to we're we're going to worry about what the football programs are doing and how well and how successful they are. As I said earlier, Illinois hasn't had a coach with a winning record yeah. since I believe 1987, and that's a pretty damn long time. So, you, you you have to win games. The same thing with Mizzou. You have to win games and continue to win games. Um and and not the five and fives, not the five and sixes, you know, six and five. I mean seven, eight wins. And it's gonna be tough. Yep. It's tough to win oh. in the SEC. Yep. It's tough to win in the Big Ten. But you have to figure out a way to find that success and and, and do it week in and week out. Or you may be on the outside looking in at some point. If you don't like it, play better, right? If you don't like it, play better. That's Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. Coming up, the Cardinals sent Yvonne Herrera to the minors and brought up Austin Romine. What does the catcher position look like for the Cardinals now and into the future? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carricker and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Opinions matter. Time now for today's Big Thing with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Seidenstricker Noby John Deere. Find them online at snpartners.com. Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis in for Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Carricker. It is Carricker and Smallman on 101 ESPN, and it's 9.05. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. The Cardinal sent Yvonne Herrera down to the minors over the weekend, Kerry. He only hit 111 in 11 games. Their regular catcher with Yadier, Yadier Molina injured. Andrew Kisner is hitting 183 with a 523 OPS. And by the way, Major League Baseball catchers are not doing very well as a group. This year, a 223 collective batting average among MLB catchers. Their on-base is 291. The overall catcher's OP, uh, slugging percentage is 362 for a 653 OPS. And of the 40 catchers that have played at least 30 games so far this season, we're halfway through the season, 16 of 40 have a 700 OPS, but the Cardinals are 46 percent below the MLB average with their 189 average and a 499 OPS. So my question would be, I guess, how do you how do you fix it? One, and and how important is it if we talked about it earlier, I'm gonna come back to it again. You you spoke about Larusa talking to Yadier Molina early in his career. I don't care if you get a hit at all, but continue to play defense the way you play defense. If they're not adding value at in the batter's box, how much value are they adding, you know, behind home plate, calling games and making sure that the pitches are located right, we're getting the right pitches and, and we're getting the defense set the way that it needs to be set. How how much how how well are they doing that aspect of it? Because if you're not hitting you have to be able to to do that part do and do it do it at a high level and do it extremely well. How well are they doing that part since they're not hitting that well yeah. at, at this moment? Kisner is far from elite defensively. Okay, he's serviceable. You can get by with him, but it'd help if he provided offense. Gary, when he was drafted by the Cardinals, he was drafted as a third baseman. Mm-hmm. They converted him to catcher, and as late as three years ago, the thought was that he would be a guy that was here because of his bat, because his defense was so insufficient. Mm -hmm. He did improve defensively, but his bat has regressed to the point that it's alarming, even with the DH. 
these guys are hitting like pitchers hit. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's essentially taking the role of the pitcher, which yeah. was was the reason why they placed the DH in there. <laughs> You're not adding any value uh, at the plate, and, and your lineup is not able to to you know compete at the highest level because guys aren't aren't taking care of that end of it. Uh, as far as Herrera, he was he was one batting one eleven. I think he yeah. had two hits in in eighteen uh, at bats. Not great, kind of overwhelmed. Yeah, I think so. And sometimes when you're a young guy, when you're a rookie, you know your first opportunity. A lot of those guys don't have you know success right away in their first in their first stint, and sometimes they have to go back down to to kind of get recalibrated and 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 lock into yep. what is because it can be overwhelming. You're you, you've been dreaming about this your entire life. You've been waiting on this opportunity. Boom, it's here. And then you don't have the success that you you, you thought you would, and you kind of and you have to go back to, to to get restarted. So I hope that his next opportunity when he comes back up, um, he's ready to roll, and and you'll see what they saw in him to bring him up in the first place. And he may have the first half of the season may may have been a kind of a mirage mm-hmm. because he's never been a great offensive player uh, in the minors. Last year he hit two twenty nine. In minor league baseball with a 745 OPS. Then this year he hits 291 with an 824 OPS in the minors, and the Cardinals are thinking, okay, he's arrived offensively. Well, not at the major league level. So I'm sure they gave him some things to work on. Mm-hmm. He's only 22, and he's going to wind up being a good player. He's, he's a top 100 prospect in baseball. And he's going to be good. He just is not ready quite yet. Well, how good is his defense in comparison to to, to Kisner? Because if his defense is better, and they're both hitting, you know, mm-hmm. pretty much the same, wouldn't you go with the one who's who has better defense as opposed to the one who who whose defense and hitting isn't isn't as good? His skill set defensively is elite, but in terms of calling a game and just managing a game from behind, like a young play. man when you're yeah. young, young in the yep. game. But but to me, that would be the reason why you you would keep him around because you have a Yadier Molina who is is one of the best to ever do it to allow you to 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 learn and watch and 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 talk and, to and that's over and over and over again those y- conversations yeah. matter yadi is there for guys to watch like carson kelly said i really didn't talk to yadi that much mm-hmm. I, I don't think Yadi's one of Yadi's kind of like Brett Favre, not he, not there to coach he, up his replacement. He, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, and, and that's fine. But he's in Puerto Rico right now, so gotcha. he's not even around not even for around. the young yeah. guys to to be helped out by. So, I think that's one of the reasons that Austin Romine is here, a veteran who's been mm-hmm. around the block, and a guy that at least can provide some protection for Kisner. I don't think Romine's going to hit much better than Andrew Kisner. I do think the Cardinals. Catching future is in good hands with Herrera, mm-hmm. but it's probably going to be an issue for the rest of the season that they didn't expect it to be. I think they expected a representative season out of Yachty. Yeah. And the the knee injury obviously set him back. And Andrew Kisner might be a half a season player. He might be he's probably not an everyday, everyday catcher. catcher. Kind of come in, fill in every every yeah. fifth day, every seventh day, give mm-hmm. a, give your starter a, a day off on Sundays and allow him to, to rest. Um, and if he's not, if, if that's not who he is, you have to find a guy that you can play every day yeah. that can manage the staff, that can um, at least put the bat on the ball and, and move runners over if nothing else. Even if you're not going to get a hit, you know, get a sacrifice fly, move the runners from first to third. However you, however you, however you can move from first to second, allow them to, to, 
at least get runners moving around on, on the base pass as opposed to you know striking out or grounding out into a double play. And the only catcher that's of consequence that's going to get moved during this period is going to be the Cubs catcher, mm-hmm. and the Cubs aren't trading Contreras to not the Cardinals. A, no, not at all. It's so not going to happen. The, the Cardinals are, are kind of stuck in terms of where they are with the position, and they just have to try to get the most out of Kisner, hope that he can call a game, and hope that Herrera can get enough experience so that at least you can utilize him at some point during the season. And then well, I think there's a point also of hope of Yachty's knees getting back to the point where he can be a representative yeah. player in, in August and September. When how it, how I far think away is, is I he? I think it's about the expectation at this point. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. No. Yeah, that, that puts you in limbo then. If you yeah. don't have your guy that you you know has been your guy for so long and you got young guys coming up, you got older guys who aren't hitting and aren't catching or aren't doing, you're, you're in a bad spot, which right. may also lead to, to why the, the third, fourth, and fifth started. When you, Wayne Wright and, and Michael is there. They're good. Yeah, you know, they're fine. You, you know, you don't need that, that. They can call their own games. They can call their own games. But when you have those guys, rookies, and you have younger guys coming in, Hudson, Palante, you have to have a catcher that is understanding, can calm them down, can get the right pitches for them, even when they may not know what they need to throw in that mm-hmm. situation. You need veteran leadership behind the plate to to help those and assist those those guys on the mound. And if Yachty would show up in three weeks, he shows up August 1st with 60 games left on the schedule, He's not playing 60 games. Right. He, he, he might 40. play half of them. Hopefully, 35? Hopefully 40. Yeah. Hopefully. But he's certainly not playing all 60 because his body just won't allow him to do that anymore. Yeah. And and, and Father Time is undefeated. You can't. Yep. You, it, it, at some point, it all catches up with you. I, I can attest to that right now. <laughs> my knees. I'm holding my knee as we speak, and I haven't done anything in a long time. So, yeah, it, it definitely catches up with you. And. You know, when you've played as many games as he's played, crouching down behind that behind that plate, you know, for that many years, that many games, it, it will wear and tear on you. And, you know, at some point it does have to end. Hopefully, if they have when they have the call ups, he he can he can help mentor or mold some of those younger men just just by conversation. That's CD. I'm Randy, and that's today's big thing here on Carriker and Smallman. Coming up, we're going to ask Mike Claiborne about the catching situation and more about what's going on down in Atlanta. He joins us next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis, head coach at Hazelwood Central, in for Michelle Smallman and Randy Carricker. And we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, and Mike Claiborne joins us from Atlanta. Good morning, Michael. How you doing? I'm doing well. Long night, but uh, the sun came up, so I'm ready to go. All right. I, we got to start with this because Carrie and I were just talking about football players and their access to water at camps and during training camp. And you and I were both in Charleston, Illinois in 1986 when Gene Stallings was the first year head coach of the football Cardinals. Remember that? Because he was one of the junction boys. He wouldn't allow his guys to drink water. <laughs> oh, no water. No water. Hey, hey, Randy, how about this? No water and, oh, here, take some of these hot salt tablets. Yeah, right, oh. right, yeah. <laughs> Talk about dehydrated. <laughs> oh, man, I mean, guys were locking up all over the place, and little did we know the the impact the hydration would, would have on sports. But back then, no, man. It, you know, because this thing was, hey, you get water, you cramp up. Well, what's the difference between cramping up and locking up because I'm dehydrated? Well, or passing out because I haven't had because yeah, exactly. of a heat stroke. Yeah, yeah. it's not and good. Him not, put him in the shade; he'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly that's what they used to do. Yeah. And finally, a trainer went up to Gene Stallings and said, uh, 
hey, coach, I think we better get the guy some water. <laughs> and, and after the doctor spoke to Stallings that night, he relented a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I think he uh, got a quick test on, on medical advice, and uh, he, he, he figured it out. Yeah. You know what? He, he was a very sane coach after that. But, yeah, you know, definitely. I think guys, that's all they knew. So, you know, they do that, and they're like, oh, well, it worked for me. You know, yeah, but things have changed since then. Yeah, there's definitely some changes since then. Hey, hey, Mike, we were uh, talking about the Cardinals catching situation and and how um, they're just not hitting right now. I think they're they're 189 batting average for the as a whole for the entire season. What needs to change, and 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 does how much of an impact does that have on on younger pitchers uh, that need that veteran leadership behind the plate? Well, it means a lot, Kerry, um, especially in this day and age with so much information available to catchers and pitchers and pitchers pitchers meetings last a lot longer than what they used to and it's about framing balls you know everybody throws breaking balls and if you don't have a guy who can frame it where the umpire can get a good look at it and maybe you steal a pitch from time to time if you don't have that guy if you got a guy with, with bad hands then it's going to be noticeable and with the cardinals right now you know, with Yachty down, and nobody knows when he's coming back or if he's coming back. I mean, you know, we haven't heard very much. You know, Andrew Kisner has been fighting it. Let's just be honest about it. He, he's trying. I mean, but, you know, as, as Tommy Lasorda once said, I can get a truck driver to try. So it's one of those deals where it, it just it's not progressing. And the problem that he's having is it's one thing not to be able to do it, your job behind a plate and frame and be able to dig balls out of the dirt. But now you're not hitting either. And I think that that's so glaring. You know, Herrera is going to be a good player someday. But there's nobody to mentor him and show him the ropes at this point on, on the big league game because the game comes so quick. It's so much faster. And, and Kerry, I'm sure you noticed the difference when you got to an NFL camp compared to when you were Mr. Everything in, in college and high school. It, it, it's a it's an all-striking all event. And a lot of guys just don't know how to adjust. So – while this team needs a few things, catching is going to be something. And they don't have anybody in the pipeline that's close other than Herrera. So they're going to have to look outside the organization. Hey, Claims, another tough outing last night for Dakota Hudson. And you're in uh, Ali's office every day, and you, you talk to Mike Maddox, and you're, you're around the ball club. What's the concern level right now for Dakota Hudson? Because from here, from afar, it looks like a guy that just – can't find a way to consistently throw strikes. Well, you're right, and, and it really comes down to not having a plan B. And, and my point being this, he's a low ball pitcher. You know, he's a ground ball guy. And if he doesn't get that pitch low in the zone, he doesn't have a plan B or an adjustment he can make that still makes him relevant. Because now hitters know, if I just sit on it and let him just keep pumping the, the zone low, either he's going to throw a ball or it's a pitch that I can't hit. So I'll take my chances on him throwing more balls. And so when he does, then all of a sudden he gets the ball up in the zone. And that's when guys start teeing off. Last night we saw a lot of first pitch swings because it showed a lack of confidence on his part in being able to throw strikes low in the zone. So, you know, normally you see guys that want to get, throw you that get-me-over fastball. And that get-me-over fastball, now guys jump on. They don't wait. They, they, get, off, they get after that first pitch. Uh, Tommy Edmond is a classic example. Uh, when Tommy Edmond puts the ball in play, he's hitting 500 in the, in the, with the first pitch. So you're seeing other guys looking early, and uh, a guy like Dakota Hudson just can't make that adjustment. His pace of play slows down. His body language just tells you, I don't really know what to do next. 
So they've got some concerns. And, you know, we can't have many more of these four- and five-inning outings. We're 81 or 82 games into the season, so everybody should be stretched out. Uh, you, you really don't have an excuse on why you shouldn't be able to go at least six or seven innings. Speaking of being stretched out, we were uh, Jordan Hicks just coming back off the IL. How, how long or, or it, does it happen that he becomes a starter with all of the struggles that you're seeing from Dakota Hudson and, and you no. know, Flaherty and, and no, Max he, being down? That that ship sailed out of the harbor, and uh, it, it's, it's that's not going to be it. He's going to be a middle guy, perhaps a setup guy, perhaps a closer. Uh, the starting experiment, it, it was a good idea, but, Kerry, that, that should have been done in the minor leagues. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing is, you think about how little time – um, Jordan Hicks had in the minors when he was called up, he was an A ball. Mm. Okay, so he really the only time he ever saw the minors was in a rehab assignment. He he never spent any quality time there, and I don't think people can just hop out of the car and say I'm going to be a starter. I, I just don't think that's possible these days. I mean, there's a there's a, a method that goes with it from a preparation standpoint, being able to utilize more than one pitch and knowing how to get it, get after a hitter. And I, I just thought that that was just an idea that I didn't really ever feel was going to work because he just didn't have enough legitimate experience. So with all of this being said, with the lack of experience behind the plate and the need for a starting pitcher, it seems, Mike, like the Cardinals need a guy that's been around the block a little bit. Kerry and I were talking about how Michaelis and, and Wayno they call their own game. It seems like when the Cardinals get to the trade deadline at the end of this month, early next month, I guess, they're going to have to get a guy that's capable of doing that. They... It, they they can't bring in a guy that needs guidance from behind the plate. I agree. Now, here's the question. Who is that guy? Uh, remember, you, with those extra playoff spots, there are more teams that think they're in it. So you don't have as many trade partners as you maybe would have in the past. Throw in the fact that you don't need a rental. You need a guy that can get you legitimate innings. Right now, your, your rotation, your, Michaelis is your best pitcher. And you can throw the rest of those guys' names in a hat and pull them out, and it could go two through five. I mean, it's just it's just that unfortunate that you have one guy every week that you know can come out and get it done. Mm-hmm. And that's Miles Michaelis. You know, Wayno gives you a quality effort, but he's another guy that if teams sit on him and wait long enough, they're going to jump on him. So, and, and he, we're talking about a 41-year-old guy that you're going to put in the upper portion of your rotation. We don't know about Steven Matz. He's not with us on the trip, but, you know, he's not ready to go. Jack Flaherty is not going to throw for another week. So, you know, you can't count on them. And, you know, by the time you say, well, they'll be ready to go by August or September, we're not chasing the Milwaukee Brewers, okay? We're chasing the playoff spot just to get in. Because I think some people have the notion, well, you know, they'll take two teams from the Central. Well, I'm not sure about that. I mean, there's some other teams and other divisions that are starting to really turn it up. So you can't sit and think, well, you know what, if we just stay close to, close to Milwaukee, we'll get in. No, there's some teams in the West. There's some teams in the East. Because now you're looking at Philadelphia. You're looking at Atlanta. You're looking at the Mets in the, in the West. You're looking at the Dodgers and the Padres. You know, and you've got a couple other teams that are like circling the Giants or a team that's right there in the hunt. So there is no defined way to say the Cardinals are a shoe-in when it comes to postseason. It, it feels to me like the sense of urgency is 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 understood and, and starting to be realized, especially with these this, this Atlanta series, Philly again, and then the Dodgers, and and who ha, who who Milwaukee has. Um, 
are the players and the coaching staff understanding or, or feeling that sense of urgency right now? Well, I, I think they always feel a sense of urgency of being better than they were yesterday. But but I think what's really been a bucket of water in everyone's face is they can't beat good teams yeah. with any consistency. If you look at their record in the first half, uh, they were well under 500 against teams that were over 500. They made their hay on teams that were under 500. I think they went like 27 and 16 with teams above 500, and I think they were like 13 or whatever against teams above 500. So, uh, and, and the reason why I roll this out is because, look, I think most fans in St. Louis, and I think I can say for the organization, this getting in and going home in the, after the first game or the first round, we've seen enough of that. I think everyone feels like, all right, this was our year to make a real move and get deep into postseason. If postseason were to start tomorrow, that wouldn't happen because they're short. And they've got to figure out a way to, to, to tighten things up. You know, you need a legitimate starting pitcher. You need a legitimate reliever, preferably a closer in the bullpen. You need a catcher. You need a left-handed bat off the bench. So there are four things you obviously need. And, and, and really, you need more of a bench. I mean, the, the mm-hmm. bench does not give you much of a chance here recently. I mean, you know, and you have a short one. You've got Sosa. You've got Dupar. You've got Connor Capel. You've got uh, uh, Albert, you know, but the, the bench isn't giving you much either. So, well, I'm not saying you have to retool the whole team. You, you have to find people that are better than what you've seen. And remember, this is the, this is the official flag day, Randy. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you know, so we know what we have. We know who we are. And that doesn't mean you can't fix it. I mean, you have time, but if you think you can wait until the trade deadline the day before, then I think you're, you're going to put yourself in a real tough situation because uh, there are some other teams that are going to be vying for those same players. And, you know, you're going to have to park company with somebody that you really like. But the question is, is that person going to get better or is that person ever going to get to the big leagues? Yeah, you got to evaluate better than the Cardinals have in, in recent years with their minor leaguers. Meanwhile, the uh, 5460 podcast with Mike Claiborne and Joe West, the new one dropped yesterday, and a guy that made some of the more iconic plays in NFL history, Dave Casper, is one of your guests. Dave Casper was a hoot to talk to. Kind of a quiet guy, but once you got him going, uh, he told some great stories about those teams he played with and just what a tough player he was in a tough era. Uh, those to the post, the holy roller. I mean, this guy was involved in two of the most iconic plays in the game. And uh, it, he was a real pleasure to talk to. And uh, I don't know whether we're going to do it next week, but coming up soon, we did a sit-down with Charles Barkley last week. Mm. And uh, I think it went like an hour and 48 minutes, almost two hours. <laughs> And he started talking about Roy Green and Willard Harrell and people here in St. Louis. And one of the funniest things he said, man, when I was growing up in Alabama, you know, we only saw the Redskins, the Cowboys, and the New York Giants. And if they weren't playing each other, they were beating up on the Cardinals. And I was like, yeah, that's the same TV I was watching. (laughs) (laughs) Same show I was watching. And so here was the kicker. He's taught. So this, this, I love this story. So he, he's, uh, talking to a guy about the NFL, and he said, man, St. Louis, they used to have this one cat, Roy Green, man. Well, he was a hell of a player. And they keep talking, and so the person who says to Charles, he says, yeah, I know him. He said, you know him? He said, you're a St. Louis guy, right? He said, yeah, I know him. He <laughs> said, yeah, that's me. That was me. 
Charles never put two and two together that he was actually talking to Roy Green, the guy he invited on. And they're the best of friends now. Yeah. So they're the best of friends. So we had that story, but he has a few more. So uh, I'll give you the heads up on when that one drops. But we had a blast with him, and uh, we got some other fun people coming up. And I'm, I'm having a lot of fun with it. We Joe knows a lot of people. I'm running out people that Joe knows as well, and uh, we, we're getting a real good vibe vibe from it. So uh, we just showing up, looking to have a good time, like I do with everything else. I don't know if you could have a better golf group than Roy and Vince Coleman and Charles, and Michael, and Tiger, I think, was around with one of those. It's unbelievable, the groups they yeah. got together down in Phoenix. Yeah, and you know, Roy was the conduit to all of that. I mean, Roy never met a stranger. Hmm. And, you know, and I've said this, and Randy, you know this, I've always felt Roy Green was part of the greatest show on turf. He'd have had, he would have had 2,000 yards of receiving. Yep. Yeah. And as much as I love Isaac Bruce, who's a Hall of Famer, I just thought Roy Green in that offense with his strength and his speed uh, and his toughness, he, he would have put 2,000 yards on the board, and we would have said Jerry who? Now, I'm not going to say he was as great as Jerry Rice, but that offense would allow him to do some things that we would, we would have never imagined could take place. At the same time, Roy Green was the fastest and the strongest wide receiver in the NFL. No doubt. No doubt. And – Remember that kickoff in Dallas? Yeah, I, he had the record for a while, 106 yards. Uh, he was a defensive back who hit. He could hit and tackle. There's a difference. You know, you can hit guys, <laughs> but if you don't roll them up, then who cares? He's, next thing you know is second and two. So with, with this guy, there was nothing he couldn't do on the field. He was so talented and so humble. But I've always felt had he had a chance to play in this era, uh, we, we have some records going down because the guys who would be throwing to him, can you imagine Kurt throwing to him as accurate as Kurt was? Oh, my. Unbelievable. Yeah, and by the way, if you didn't get a chance to see Roy Green, he played in the 80s. Uh, so just, they're all over YouTube. If you just type in Roy Green highlights, you'll uh-huh. be able to see some of the stuff that he I'm did. I had to check that out. Oh, he was something. Oh, l- listen, hey, Kerry, you ought to just check out the one with Daryl Green, Hall of Famer, uh-huh. Washington uh, Redskins at the time. He wore Daryl Green out really? one day, and they was man covered. This was back in the day where you could actually do something to it. Yeah. He wore Daryl Green out. It won the greatest games the football Cardinals lost. Wow. I'm going to I'm gonna have to check out yeah, Roy Green to see how, how, how great oh, he yeah. was. He was uh, something. He, he's legend, man. He's legend. Yep. Claves will be tuned in tonight. Cards and Braves. Hopefully the Cardinals can get one tonight with Andre Pallante on the mound, and we will talk to you soon. All right, you guys have a great week. Take care. You too, Michael. Thanks. Thank you. That is Mike Claiborne. You can hear him on the Cardinal broadcast tonight on KMOX and the Cardinal Radio Network. And, of course, ClaibsOnline.com. Follow him on all the socials. Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, You're Killing Me Smalls is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carricker and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Mobile on the Run. On the Run is your summertime snack and sip store. 
At the conclusion of this segment, Matthew Rocchio is coming up with a trivia question so that we can provide you a four-pack of tickets to next week's sold-out Budweiser Bash for the Cards and Dodgers. Your only spot to get them is here at 101 ESPN. The giveaway features a Willie McGee bobblehead. You can get all the details for the Budweiser Bash nights at Bush Stadium right now at cardinals.com slash promotion. So stick around at the end of this segment. Carrie Davis, Randy Carricker with you. And Carrie, according to CBS Sports, the Phoenix Suns are still in contention to trade for Kevin Durant, but the Nets are just checking out all their options. Apparently, the Nets want a young all star and several draft picks. Where does Durant land? You know, I said this a few weeks ago. Um, and and it sounded crazy, but there have been reports that it's a possibility. I think him going back to Golden State does not sound like an awful idea um, because Golden State has so much to offer. They have Jordan Poole. Mm-hmm. Um, they have, you know, Kaminga. They have Wiseman, who hasn't played yet, but he was the first overall, first first round pick, um, lottery pick. So I, there, are, there is a lot that they have available, and, they, and and obviously you have draft picks. I don't I don't know where KD ends up. Um, you know, I I just think the NBA is strange because the the players have all the power. It seems mm-hmm. you know you can sign a four year contract and say the hell with it. I'm out of here after you know you and your buddy don't produce what you were supposed to produce. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see where how this unfolds and where he ends up. It's never a bad thing to have the best player in the world on your roster. Nah. But if you're Golden State, now granted, you lost Gary Payton too, and you've got some guys that are leaving, but they're at a stage right now with the luxury tax that they have to pay seven bucks for every dollar they spend. So do you do that for a guy that's making $50 million a year? That's a lot of money. Yeah. But I think they've shown in the in the past, you know, not that they don't care about the the, the, the luxury tax or how much they have they to pay, out, but they don't mind because winning championships only adds to to the billions that your franchise is worth. You know, mm-hmm. you got four championships, and and to add, you know, a, an all world player, one of the the tops that have ever played this game, you can add him back. I don't think they necessarily need him because they the, their core is is very good. I think losing Gary Payton a second is going to hurt defensively, mm-hmm. but their core, their young guys. Jonathan Kaminga is going to be a very, very, very good basketball player. Yeah. And and I don't know what you'll get out of Wiseman, but Jordan Poole, Andre Wiggins, they've shown you know their ability, Andrew Wiggins, especially in the playoffs, shown all season, but show what he could do, you know, during the playoffs. It's gonna be it's gonna be exciting to watch them over the next couple of years. And just two years ago, James Wiseman was the number one recruit in the country, right? Yeah. Went to Memphis. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, I gotta hit the sounder here, not only for the segment, just because of, of the point I'm about to bring up. You're killing me, Smalls. I double checked it, Randy. PSG over in over in in Europe, Paris Saint Germain, they will have a bill this year of player salary for when you convert it to dollars from euros, three hundred and fifty-five million dollars hmm. because of the luxury tax. Mm-hmm. The Warriors are going to pay $346 million in cash for a $175 million roster. Because <laughs> of the you? repeater luxury tax, yeah. they will literally be paying the second most for any roster cash-wise in sports on the planet this year. But did you win? They won. There you go. That's a, well, but it's, it's, all it's, things it's just, in the world are right. Now, you pay that much and lose, we got to yeah. talk. It's a different thing. But yeah. it just, it's, it, it's so <laughs> impressive. And, it, and it's, on some, it, it's bothering some NFL. It's bothering a lot of NBA owners that the Warriors are essentially running like this. But hey, if you have the cash, 
putting it onto your team like that and giving your fan base championships and big signings and stuff like that, that's why you're supposed to be a sports owner. You know, as much as we sometimes hate when the big money of the Yankees or the Dodgers, or in this case, the Warriors, just kind of takes over, that's what you want them to do. It's, it's. I'd rather have 10 teams doing that or two teams doing that than have 15 teams saying, you know what, I feel like if I, me as the owner, I could make a nice little pretty penny if I just sucked a little bit more this year. I am going to ask Draymond and Stephen Clay if they want him back before I make oh, that definitely. move. Oh, definitely. You you definitely have to have that conversation. Yeah. More so with Draymond. I think Steph and Clay mm-hmm. are, are, you know, they, Clay seems like a whatever. Whoever, yeah, I don't right. care who you bring in. Steph is kind of, seems like that mode as well. Yeah, he can help us win. Let's do that. But Draymond is the is the fiery fiery one amongst the three and, and we saw what happened last time they played together. He was the main recruiter to get Kevin Durant yeah. there. Mm-hmm. You're killing me, Smalls. Kerry, Tiger Woods said he had planned to play in the U.S. Open, but problems with his leg prevented him from doing so. On July 14th, he will play at the Open Championship at St. Andrews. I still wonder if he's able to walk four days in a row. It looked painful the last time we saw him. Yeah. I mean, it, you you figure, I thought the time off would be obviously be good for his back because his back had been an issue for so long. But when you 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 he shattered his leg, correct? He had yeah. to have he almost, almost lost got his leg. Yeah. When you have to come back from from that type of injury and and walk, you know, let alone swing a golf club, but walking adds to the amount of pressure and the amount of pain and, and to do that over a course of four days, we saw how 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 much pain he was in. You know, just walking from there, there are slopes and hills that you mm-hmm. got to climb to get to dirt to get to uh, to your ball at times. Golf is great when Tiger is on the on the TV because there are so many eyeballs because you you want to see if he still has it or if he's able to do you know what we've seen him do in this in his career. I just I just want him to be completely healthy mm-hmm. and the best version of himself before he goes out there and tries to push himself to a point where, you know, you have to watch him in pain. You're killing me, Smalls! And uh, sad news today. We had heard a couple of months ago that former Broncos wide receiver Demarius Thomas had passed away. His family said that it was from a seizure that was a product of a 2019 car crash. And uh, CD, we learned this morning that Demarius Thomas had grade two CTE. So he had damage to his brain. And that's obviously something that cannot be diagnosed in a, diagnosed in a living person. Yeah, you... you... It's one of the fears that you have as a as a player, as a former player, to think about all of the the collisions that you have. Um, it's not normal to get up and run into a, a person over and over and over again. People ask me, well, what is it like playing football? I, find a wall and go run full speed into it, and then t- do it twenty more times. And let me, don't actually do this, people, but just yeah. imagine doing. And you're that. a fullback, yeah. so you were literally doing that. <laughs> yes, don't 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 do it. But that's that's what it feels like, and and. You know, to, to do that over and over and over again, um, you know, meeting force with somebody that you're five yards, you're 10 yards apart and you're meeting and collisioning over and over and over again, even as a receiver, the hits that you take that you don't see. And sometimes it's not the hits, but the ground, hitting mm-hmm. your head on the ground, hitting your head on the turf, you know, those take a toll on you as well. So, you know, it, it, it's always scary. It's always unfortunate to, to, to hear that. Um, you know, you got to take care of yourself as best as you can. And we hate to speculate, but we're in the business of speculating. 
I wonder if the actions and activities of Antonio Brown are in part a product of a brain injury. Well, I think, you know, I, and I'm not a doctor, obviously. We we all, you know, have something going on, whether it's a football player or not. Mm-hmm. I think you couple football with, with success and yep. the amount of money, you know, that people attain at times, you know, when you get money, it doesn't, it doesn't, it reveals your true character as to who you are. So, you know, sometimes people are that way. But don't have the money to mm-hmm. back them, and then when they become when they become rich or they become wealthy, you get to see the, who they who they are at their core. Um, and I, I, I've heard some good things about Antonio. He, he's I've never I've met him once, but I, I don't know him. Um, but I think you know just over the course of his career, and I, I think he said he's made he's done some things that he wish he'd have done differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you live, you learn. But I his football days may be numbered yeah, just based are. on on his his last exit of a football game. Um, but you, you 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 can't speculate whether or not. His actions are caused from from running into people. It's possible, but some of it may just be him and as he, a person. Right, right. He just took one of the biggest, most visible hits ever from Perfect in that playoff game. He did. I, I I leave that to to me. I think that was a little. I think it was a little wink, wink. I don't think he hmm. got as hard of a shot as he pretended it to be. Um, I don't know that for sure, but to me, it just looked like it was. I know how to get this guy out of the game. You would know. Yeah, I, You're I, a to player. me it didn't look like the hardest hit. I, the hardest hit I've ever seen is Ryan Clark on Willis McGahee. If you haven't never seen it, Google it. It, it will change your life. <laughs> I honestly, I 100% thought you were going to pull out like some random crackback uh, Heinz Ward block uh, Heinz, because those he, would be the most, so, those were some of the most destructive hits I've ever seen yeah, in my entire life he, was Heinz Ward crackbacks. He broke Keith Rivers' jaw yeah, in he Cincinnati. Did. Yeah, yeah, he broke his jaw. It was, it was, it was, whew, whew. yeah. Heinz, yeah. Heinz would, I've seen linebackers duck. From Hines, <laughs> like no lie, linebackers that we all know and listen to. We've seen, I've seen them duck and get fit, crawl up in a fetal position. <laughs> That's your killing me, Smalls on 101 ESPN, and we're going to give away a four pack of tickets to next week's sold out Bud Bash Cards and Dodgers on July 12th. So you get the Willie McGee bobblehead and you get Cards Dodgers tickets. It doesn't get much better than that. And since it is a Willie bobblehead, Matthew, do you have a Willie trivia question yes, for us? Yes, I do. And, and what we're going to do here, we're going to do this all week. We're going to be giving away uh, multiple uh, Bud, uh, Bud Bash ticket packs throughout the year so or throughout the the week so here's the thing all every day it's gonna be the 51st texture to get the trivia question right i'm gonna give you the easier version i gave randy character the hard version of this trivia question he of course got it 100 percent right so i'll just <laughs> say this what team drafted and signed willie mcgee what team drafted and signed willie mcgee it's obviously not the cardinals what american league team I'll make it a little bit easier okay. what american league team drafted and signed Willie McGee. Texture number 51 to 65780 gets the four-pack of tickets to the Cards and Dodgers next week. Carrie and I will head down the stretch and get things ready for a balloon party with T-Mac and Ajax coming up on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Congratulations to Peter from Wentzville. He knew that the New York Yankees were the first American League team to draft and sign Willie McGee. Cardinals got Willie McGee from the Yankees. He was drafted by the White Sox, but he was never signed by the Chicago White Sox. This has been a fun morning with Kerry Davis in for Michelle Smallman. It's always great to work with you, sir. What do you got going on the rest of the day? 
I am relaxing. I I don't well have deserved. no no football practice for for the high school for the rest of the week. It's time to relax. Good day, good week. You know, nothing nothing much going on. Good. And how's the uh, so I, I know your team is going to be solid. Are, are you guys up uh, in North County? Are you close to getting that suburban North back to where no, I knew we it couldn't when I was be, a kid? We couldn't, we couldn't be further away from it, Randy. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's not. It, 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 I don't think that suburban. We don't even play Hazelwood East this year. Really? Yeah, yeah. First time that wow. I. Yeah, I, I. This will be my fifth season. This is the first year we haven't played them. I don't know if we've ever not played mm-hmm. uh, in my in my memory. So yeah, it's. Couldn't be further away. It's, it's yeah. much different. High school football in, in as a whole is well, much different than, you know, 10, 15 years yeah. ago. And, and I'm thankful that you're coaching because I was talking to somebody about this a couple of weeks ago. When I was doing games, and I, I was doing games as late as eight years ago, mm-hmm. there were 10, 12 legendary football coaches around the area. Right. They've all retired now. Yeah, yeah. And it's just not that the guys now aren't really good. But it seems like a lot of the veteran guys that everybody knew the names of yeah, over the years yeah. aren't around anymore. Yeah, it, it's kind of you know the the transition for for younger guys. Myself, I know Jeremy Macklin over at Kirkwood, mm-hmm. and Mizzou fans know him. Yeah. <laughs> you know we uh, it, it's just kind of a new blood, younger guys, um, guys that have played the game, coming back to to coach their alma maters and and you know just be a part of helping the younger generation learn the game of football and and learn how to be young men. And by the way, you're already legendary. Oh, I, 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 thank you, Randy. I appreciate that. Yeah. Good to have you with us. Thanks. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. That is the great Kerry Davis. Uh, great job today by our producer engineer, the one, the only Matthew Rocchio. Pleasure. And Michelle apparently is going to be back tomorrow. We'll see how the airlines treat her. We just don't know. But if she's not here in the studio, then she'll be doing the show from the Hamptons, maybe? We'll see. Or just Terminal B. Yeah, there might be a little. Yeah, there might be little some more, background yeah. noise if it's in Terminal B. Tim yeah. <laughs> McKernan and Ajax coming up next here on 101 ESPN with the balloon party. For all of us, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show till tomorrow morning at seven. Have a great day, St. Louis, and stay cool. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dom's Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Hey, hon, what you doing with your fun? Do flowers have best friends? I don't know. Hey, look. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council.